you guys were like hanging out last night or um and trying to pick up some zrs um watching the kind of uh, wallet reserve ratio and stuff um we got down to like uh for example right now a reserve ratio of like 793 percent but the reserve ratio moving average is what the system is using to um, allow you to convert Zephyr to ZRS in your wallet. Um, and I think the funny thing is like the, this creates kind of a, some interesting dynamics. Um, one is it kind of creates a bit of a floor price on Zephyr in that um, it does make sense for developers as such to convert like team Zephyr tokens into uh it makes sense for them to convert zephyr into zsd at a low market cap as opposed to a high one because like collateralization ratios are more secure and also it creates this interesting dynamic where the demand for zephyr goes up because people want to buy it in order to convert to zrs um it solves the problem of like getting zsd for liquidity purposes you know creating a liability in the system without necessarily creating sell pressure which is really nice um it also it's also an interesting way for devs to technically cash out a little bit of uh of their zef if necessary without reducing sell pressure which is really a, kind of a nice flywheel effect and an interesting side effect of the fact that you can print your own stable, right? Like it's kind of interesting how that plays out. And it makes sense that they would do that because you saw that $500,000 print of um, the stable dollar. And then they can slowly sort of release that into exchanges over time and cash out with Tether or whatever they're going to cash out with, right? Like, so you want, you want teams to sell responsibly basically with this shit. Um, and it's interesting that this system allows that to happen in a, um, in a nice way that doesn't affect price action too negatively. Now, the interesting thing it also does is it creates this kind of floor price where like last night I was trying to, you know, hop in there to get myself some, uh, ZSD. Um, I'm sorry, some ZRS, the, the reserve token, but like <laughs> the damn price wouldn't fall low enough to do so. So it's, um, I, you know, I think, this system creates kind of a floor price effect. And you can imagine like in the future, there'll be a time where, you know, maybe this is not the floor price and there's just a much more speculative um, floor. But like uh, at this point, it seems like the game theoretic effect is that you would get yourself more Zephyr if the opportunity occur arise 
that you could actually swap it, right? Because it's like a high demand thing. So um, anyway, we had this sort of like capitulation wick. Um, you know, it's I think the fib on MEXC was like at 14.69 or something like that. Price overnight fell all the way to 1380. And some big buy orders came in on MEXC. Volume picked up and you can see already that volume sort of like started rising. So is that like the bottom or not? You know, you never know with these things, like you might have a double bottom or whatever else, but I find it's quite difficult to find unless you have a bot running or something. Um, and I don't even think you can do a bot that easily because there's no, I'm not sure that there's a clear way to do that. But anyway, you, like catching the conversion from ZEF to ZRS is pretty tough. <laughs> and I think like only a few people will actually achieve that. Um, another interesting thing, a game dynamic would be if you had ZRS and you didn't want to dilute your value in your ZRS, you would imagine that what would happen is people are going to buy, you know, right above, you know, that level where, you know, the moving average is allowed to actually fucking drop and you can buy the ZRS token. So I think what's going to happen, what's happening there is that um, now is that, could that be insider manipulation? Could it be, um, you know, somebody with a big bag or whatever. I don't know, but like, it's not that easy to get ZRS, but I, don't, I wasn't too worried about that anyway. I was kind of like, whatever. I'm mostly in it for the Zeth, not for the ZRS. Um, if I could get an opportunity to get it, I kind of waited up like two hours last night without sleep, just watching the thing to see if I can get some just for fun. Um, but uh, that, that ended up not working out. Like so far um, right now, ZRS, uh, Zephyr, reserve ratio at the moment um the the reserve ratio is 798 percent which normally you can buy under 800 percent but that it goes based on the reserve ratio moving average which is still 831 percent so if you look down on the network.zephyrprotocol.com you'll notice that like the spot price of zephyr is currently at this moment at 1508 but the moving average price is 1569 so that creates an interesting dynamic and in that you have to really watch this thing it's not like you can just dump your zeph like, let's say you had a bag that's big and you want to just dump it to move the price so that you could go and like manipulate it so you can get yourself more ZRS. You can't do that very easily here, um, which arguably is a is a is a good thing. Um, and it looks like Zef stable dollars a bit more were printed just now, too. It went up to like one point six uh, one million six hundred thousand. So it's it's an interesting dynamic that um, the smart thing to do for devs or anybody else is to mint. ZSD at the bottom of the market where um, they're getting appropriate levels of collateralization versus attempting to sort of doing at the top of the market, um, especially if you're you're worried that the price of ZEF might fall or something like that. So the the printing of ZSD and the scalability of that is clearly going to be based on the higher lows for Zephyr, not necessarily on the tops. Um, which, you know, was a lesson learned from other systems like Luna UST and others where like at the top of the market, when Luna was really popular, a lot of UST would be printed. Um, well, just because like the more popular the system got, the more popular UST got, the problem was the collateralization ratio was insufficient, um, and, uh, was part of the reason why problems happened there. Right. So in this situation, uh, it's looking really interesting. Um, and I think uh, as you start watching this and try to play the game, you start realizing um, what the dynamics really are. And I think it's when you play the game in real time, 
Um, it's just like any other video game. It's one thing to read the white paper. It's another thing to actually watch each dynamic in real time and then kind of realizing like what you would do in this instance and then watch what other people do in this instant in real market behavior. And then sort of like what you would do in response to that. It's pretty interesting stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like we've had a bit of a sort of like BTC and altcoin pullback. Uh, another thing I've noticed about Zephyr is um, so there are some BTC trading pairs out there now. And as a result, um, those trading pairs will tend to drag um, Zephyr down with BTC. Um, that's just how trading pairs sort of work. You get this sort of like uh, market correlation effect that starts happening. Um, it's not noticeable as much when you have just USD correlation, but um, the bigger the market cap of the coin gets and the more BTC uh, trading pairs that emerge on various exchanges and shit, the more correlation you end up getting. And part of Zeph's price action was not its like of its own doing, but just being dragged down by, you know, the fact that BTC you know, dragged from like 50k to or 49k to like you know 41k or whatever that was. So, um, but still, like all of this looks like pretty normal price action, you know. Like people that are kind of new to crypto and shit are going to be like, oh, why is it going down? <laughs> like, why are people dumping on me? You were wrong. You said it was going to go up and all this bullshit. You'll see in the timeline. People say all sorts of nonsense. Um, I mostly ignore newbies for the most part. I believe newbies' per, like primary job is to get wrecked uh, and lose a lot of money. If they don't, um, either A, they'll become a gambler if they get lucky too quickly. Or B, um, they will um, simply not learn the lessons of like how these market caps and price action works. So I, I really couldn't care less. Everyone else has gone through this. Guess what? If you're a newbie, you're going to fucking get wrecked. And that's just how this goes. <laughs> and, uh, if you bought too much too high, that's fine. It, even with Zephyr, I was buying, um, by the way, like from $30 all the way down. So it's not pure luck when the thing goes up and I do well. Um, so even though I bought like at $6 or whatever, I also bought it on the way down with this dip. So, um, you know, like you have to have time in the market, play the game, invest accordingly. And you've got to like build your build your position as the price drops um, accordingly. And um, you can obviously, the beautiful thing about crypto is that it drops so much. Why is that beautiful? Because then you can scale in exponentially um, much faster. You don't have to wait fucking, you know, two years like in stocks or something, or 10 years like in the recent uh, bull market crash of the stock market. You know, like this stuff happens in real time over a period of months. So it's actually a blessing, not a curse. And um, the newbie doesn't understand this, but, um, if you've been around here long enough, you realize, wow, the, the volatility is why you're here. That's the whole point. And with high volatility comes high gains. Uh, if the thing gets boring, like who wants the thing, right? Like this is the problem. So you want a lot of volatility. You want a lot of shillers and pumpers and YouTube shenanigans, the whole nine yards. The whole thing is uh, really, really important. And the fundamentals are extremely important to the growth of a new new coin. It needs to pump a lot and it needs to dump a lot. Why? Because when it pumps, it's advertising. And um, when it dumps, it's bag holder effect. You want all those people to be like adding on the way down that joins too high, which by the way, when I first bought this thing, I literally bought the top at $6, right? Like, like everyone will buy a top. Sometimes the price goes up after you buy it. Sometimes it doesn't. That's just how life goes. Um, but like I was fully prepared when I picked it up. I was like, oh, this is a cool project. Looks pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to get a good size bag in it. And I kind of held it. Um, but I was fully prepared for the thing to drop, you know, 50% and then I'd have to add some more and then maybe it drops another 50%. I got to add some more. 
maybe it drops another 50 percent. i have to add some more and so like with each impulse move you're going to see this um you know i was hoping that in a bull market we wouldn't have as much of a retrace on zephyr it pulled back like almost 70 percent um and or 75 percent actually i'm sorry as of this this morning and um uh usually during bull markets you don't get quite as much of a pullback but remember also that there are some other dynamics at play here too there are team tokens in the neighborhood of like 500,000 which need to be um uh potentially like split up into into sections in order to uh like add exchange listings so those exchange listings and shit don't come for free um you've got to basically like lend exchanges money or give them some for free in order for them to make market with their tether or whatever um, and some of that leads to like half of that being sold and things like that. The interesting thing about having ZSD out there is that the team can swap to ZSD, then they can swap to Tether somewhere slowly, and then they can turn that Tether into a market pair for um, for Zephyr on some exchange, and they can provide a more balanced approach so that the exchange, you know, doesn't dump as much or whatever. So you can do some interesting things when you have a stable coin in your ecosystem that a regular coin cannot, which is pretty cool. Um, other stuff like about this, um, I think the, the yeah, so total token supply, I think when I got into this back in November was something like 2.5 million um, out of like the total mineable of like 18 million approximately. Um, and then there's some tail emissions after that. But now there's about 2.9 million outstanding. So um, some of this is, of course, like sell pressure from miners and such who are going to sell. and um, You'll notice this same thing happens in Bitcoin too, like this so-called um, hash rate capitulation. What does that mean? So when price dumps beyond a certain level, like below a certain level, miners who are just you know running a big you know pool or farm or something, they're going to say, "Hey, look, uh, we have better opportunities elsewhere to CPU mine something else at this level. We're going to stop hashing for um, Zephyr protocol. We're going to go hash some, put our hash somewhere else." Or maybe some of those are mixed GPU miners. And they're like, you know, we're going to go mine some, you know, some some GPU mineable, mineable thing because we need to pay the electric bills. So hash does tend to follow where profitability goes. And then subsequently, like eventually price follows hash. But it's not an exact correlation one to one on a month to month basis. Um, with BTC, historically, as an example, there's something called the hash rate capitulation chart. You can, in fact, someone created it for a trading view. You can look at that and you can see where like big drops in hash rate have happened that has correlated with um, like there's a there's an effect where some mixture of hash rate dropping has something to do with minor health and the likelihood that they're going to sell and some other shit. So you wind up with like these moves and you see this happening with um, Zephyr as the price falls. Um, some of the like minor capitulation has happened like we were pumping out like two and a half to three giga hash per second, like even higher than Monero for a little bit there. And that has um, dumped away a little bit. Um, one of the places you can look that up, which is a pretty good like bookmark to keep if you're a big Zephyr fan, is go to poolbay.io, P-O-O-L-B-A-Y.io. And you can compare, uh, you can get a nice graph of the hash rate and you can also get a really nice um, comparison with the Monero. Why is Monero's hash rate relevant? Because it has the exact same hashing algorithm. So it's like you're comparing apples to apples. But like today, right now, um, it's 
talking, it's saying that we have a hash rate of about 1.89 gigahash per second, which is fine by me. It means that some of the speculative miners have pulled away and the more serious miners who are sort of in it to win it are continuing to mine. So that's a good thing because you want speculative miners to walk away and you want people, miners that are good for the long-term health of the network who want to hodl the coin to stay, right? So the market dynamics of all this is really useful. It's like mining distribution is benefited, uh, coin distribution is benefited. So people that are picking up Zephyr now after this much of a drop are the smart money who've been watching this, right? We've been watching this for the past couple of months. We're like, ooh, when can we get some good entries? And we've been scaling in at these numbers, right? So this is kind of the people that really want the coin who really understand the project. The people that buy at the top are the newbies that are like, oh my God, what happened to my coin? Like, you know, you talked about it on Twitter and you pumped it or whatever, it dumped. These kind of retards um, usually show up late, right? But at the same time, some of those people becoming become quote unquote community members, like they actually stay and stick around and they pick up the dips. Um, and that's what ends up creating the new floor for the for the you know for the future, which is really useful. So you need these distribution events, you need these deep capitulations, and the deeper the price drops, the higher the price can go next. If you understand how fibs are drawn, they're drawn from the top to the bottom in terms of retracement. And that little rainbow chart that I do, you'll notice that the fibs widen the greater the volatility is so the bigger the drop the bigger the top so it's actually very important for the the price to dump like how do you translate that to actual market like behavior think about it this way if i buy zephyr today at 15 dollars to make a 10x it only has to go to 150 right if i bought it at 30 dollars which i did by the way um bought some there uh, to make a 10x it has to go to 300 so you can see how it's like exponentially more advantageous and less risky the lower you go the roi just just blows out exponentially as a result the number of users that buy at the bottom become um, more exponential as well and eventually you find volume and then you find a reversal eventually people realize hey wait a minute like there's gonna be holdouts you're like oh i think it's gonna go to ten dollars and they'll hold out and let's say it doesn't go there then they'll end up buying back at 30 right? Because they'll be like, because for you to know that there's a true reversal, how would you even know, right? You would, you would only know this if you beat like you pass like 30 again, right? That's like the high volume area. So by the time you've gotten back to 30 again, you've already done a 2x from 15 to 30, right? So like by the time those people, sh you know, oh, I thought I was going to get 10, but now I'm buying at 30. And they're like, oh, it's hit 30. It's going to probably go to 52. I want to at least get that move and then the move after that. So on the way up, you get a whole bunch of people buying again. Like that's just what happens. Um, it's a simple market dynamics and it seems like it won't happen, but you'll catch yourself doing this all the time, right? Like you will find yourself doing this. So to say that everyone else isn't doing it, everyone's doing that. Like they're buying on the way up. Um, so some people like to wait to the very bottom. I do not. Um, I think the correct way to scale into crypto is scale in with size as you get, like as it goes down. And um, that's precisely what I did here. So I have most of my bag pretty much loaded at this point. I'm not strongly confident of going a whole lot lower. Now, if we do, I'm fine. Like my, let's say my bag gets cut in half again. You know, like my average is probably sitting at 20 or something now. Let's say, um, let's say my my bag gets cut in half again to goes to 10 from or, or something. You know, something like that. Um, you know, like whatever, it's fine. Like it'll go back up, right? These, this is just how this stuff works. Um, and um, you don't want to get sit, sitting there and crying about it. If anything, you figure out like 
what opportunities can you get if it goes down? Can you make a buck doing this or what? But I think at this level, I mean, you know, really, like you're a 10x at only 150 bucks again, which is really, really pretty sane. So I think um, the the probability of upside's better. In fact, the probability of going even higher, so like um, really picks up, like maybe we don't go to 129, we go more like to 207 next time. If you go to a lot of crypto charts, you'll find this to be the case. A lot of these things pump a lot higher than you think they will, right? With much higher market caps, it seem almost ridiculous. Um, plenty of recent examples of that. Pretty much anything today that's a billion dollar market cap, go back to its chart and tell me it didn't have the exact same process as this did, right? You're like, oh, it went from uh, 5 million market cap to 50 million. And the next thing you're like, wait a minute, it went from 50 million market cap within a few months to you know, um, 250 million. And then oddly enough, it then goes another 4X to, to a billion. And, and it just does this. Why? Because the new buyer that comes in is expecting like, you know, 4Xs and 5Xs in crypto. That's the expectation. So what do they do when they come and buy? They hold. Because why would you buy for a 10% gain unless you're a retard? Like, like, like why would you be in crypto for, you know, some sort of 10% gain when you have like 80% downside volatility, right? Like you, you, it doesn't make any sense. So when people buy at these levels, these are holders. So smart money typically picks up stuff. So yeah, I've been picking up um, a fair amount heavy at about 17 bucks. Um, I picked up a fair amount at like 1650. Um, and so yeah, just sort of like now at these levels, the price is not staying down very long. It's like popping very quickly. And you're seeing buyers on MEXC show up, you know, taking like pretty big buys. I think someone the noob said that someone bought like 30,000 Zeph, for, for example. That's a pretty good size buy at this price, right? Like people throwing around um, a million bucks and whatever here and there to, to buy some. So yeah, you're going to get bigger buyers on the way down for sure. The, the smart money gamblers who are spending a lot of money. Like if you imagine you're throwing a million bucks at this, um, are you going to do, well, like what price do you feel comfortable you'd be able to do that at, right? Um, you're probably talking about a 75% retracement, which is what we're at now. So that's, that's good. Um, so anyway, this is kind of like my take on how this price action looks. Now we haven't built like a really significant volume floor of any kind at this level. Um, the volume floor that was built for Zeph was like $17. Like that's kind of a big zone, like 17 to 18 is like a large volume range. And then um, now we're at 15 bucks. Um, and this range, we haven't built up much volume. So are we going to hang around here and go sideways for longer for a month? Or are we going to just head straight up? I don't know. But um, producer and some of the other guys, um, um, I think uh, El Presidente down here, like uh, was posting charts about how you know how when you compare this to Caspa, uh, it's eerily similar, right? And a lot of proof of work coins are exactly like this. Look at early Bitcoin. Look at anything; they all look like this. Like it's just extraordinary volatility, and then um, like usually the only people that are really um, benefiting is the diamond hands. But you can imagine that there's people that bought it. 30 bucks and sold at 15 right or or whatever like those capitulation wicks are some retard that bought too much and then is literally selling the bottom if you think that's not happening um oh it's definitely happening and then there's other people that probably bought it like two dollars they wrote it to 52 and they're like oh no i'm losing all my gains or whatever and then they'll drop at some point so so there are definitely people that will sell as the price tanks because they'll panic at whatever price level and they figure others will panic at those price levels, so they'll they'll you know plan for um, you know plan for these kind of extraordinary moves. Just normal in crypto. So I think a seventy percent retracement in bull market is pretty damn good. 
I think uh, the breakout for Zephyr was at about 670. And I think people are going to be like, well, you know, we're only like, we're not that far away from the breakout level. Do we retest that? I don't know about that. Maybe. But um, the volume is starting to pick up here at this $15 level. So that's kind of good. Um, in fact, let's see what the last 24-hour volume was. Um, we had gotten down to like almost 600,000 volume, like really dripping low. And now um, the last 24 hours we picked up to 1.2 million. So you can see like uh, there's clear demand at like 14 bucks without question. So that's creating like a reversal zone again. And, you know, if, um, uh, you know, are you going to end up seeing like a double bottom or just a V-shaped recovery? Hard to tell. Usually if you get a, a V-shaped recovery, meaning an instant pump from here, and you head straight up to, let's say, 50 bucks again, that's the most bullish scenario. That's really, really positive in terms of people waiting in the wings ready to buy the shit out of this thing. If you see a double bottom, it's a little bit less bullish. If you see a triple bottom, that's even less bullish in the sense that like people are really, really being cautious. Um, on the other hand, a triple bottom can imply like only the smart money's in the game, and they're likely to hold longer versus like you know dumb money buying. Um, but it's 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 a bit of it's it's a bit of both because like a lot some people will buy very small amounts, so you want like a really wide wallet distribution of these coins. You want you'd rather have ten thousand people buy five dollar each than to have a thousand people buy fifty bucks each. Always, always, always. So wide distribution into smaller wallets is helpful because when people buy small amounts, they don't care. They they just kind of leave the thing alone and like they don't care. And so they wind up being um, like just hodlers essentially because they can't do it. Good. We want people to buy, take the supply off that's off and then goes to wallets and then they just disappear for 10 years or whatever. Like they play Satoshi basically. Give me one second. Grin, how are you doing? I'll be right back. Yo, have some people working on cleaning the house. So I'm kind of <laughs> leaving the room for them. Um, yeah, what you been up to, Grin? Are you are you in complete dismay about your um, Zephyr bag right now? Are you total depressed? No, no, I'm I'm not. I'm uh, I've uh, been forced to migrate to the Mexican border, and um, I'm busy with my new circumstances. I'm not worried. I'm not sweating it about Zeph. Although what, what strikes you, me is that what are you doing? Are you helping uh, all the, the the immigrants show up? Are you taking some into your house or what? No, I I have to work here for my living wage, as I've been unhomed by the U.S. government. But oh, okay. aside from that, aside from that, um, I think that Zephyr might be catching some of the fear from uh, Monero possibly you know being delisted from places and also like new european regulations that seem to target like all privacy coins and every feature that monero has zephyr being built on monero's technology but adding in additional features it Maybe, might be kind of, but you think like anyone cares about that stuff like legitimately like, like you think people I, I, that are yeah. in zephyr really like worry about that kind no of no, I don't think the people who are really in Zephyr care about that. I don't think the people who are believers and, and like yourself who actually imagine using this at, at the, to store value um, through multiple cycles, I, I don't think that they care about that. But I think some of the speculators, some of the retailers, 
some of the people who are long-term holders might be seeing that like instead of privacy becoming more important and showing how crucial it is since the world governments are against your bags instead of people going deeper into privacy i think some people might be fleeing from it temporarily it's a narrative that I don't know. I think, I think most, most retail doesn't reach a shit. They just see number go up and they just bought it. Like that was it. That was it. That was the whole like enchilada basically. Like there's nothing to, so I don't, I don't know. I guess there's always some people that like any FUD will, it'll, it'll affect their mindset on things for sure. But like, well, I don't, there's also no viewers, you know, there's people who will look at what's the next narrative. Um, privacy was looking promising. I still see a lot of privacy for people who actually want to use the technology. Big speculative bubble to all get a nice blow off top and and then become rich from Zephyr. We might just not be at that moment, but it's a good time for the people who do care about the technology to kind of accumulate and gather more, um, because eventually I think the usefulness. Uh, well, a lot of a lot of alts are pulling back right now, so it's not just this. No, um, pretty much most of the small cap alts have had like pretty aggressive pullbacks um like a recent popular one for example ai power grid or whatever people are talking about it was like it kind of broke out it kind of ran a bit and now it dropped all the way back down to it's like below its breakout level as an example so and then there's like carlson which we talked about briefly um you know like it was a proof of work um gpu mind thing and the thing pumped um from its otc price of 20 cents like it ran up to, or I'm sorry, the OTC price of two cents, it ran up to like 25 cents, for example. And mm-hmm. it's been bleeding out and all also dipped like even below the OTC price where it sits now at point or 1.9 cents as an example. And it has gigantic amount of supply being printed because the hash rate is really, really high. So, and it's down again, 93% from all time high. So it's pretty... Mm, so Zephyr is definitely performing better than that, for example. But um, but again, at the same time, KLS hasn't gone through negative price discovery, and neither has AI Power Grid. These are too new. So what happens to those is they'll they'll go to what I consider not negative, but like price discovery to the downside, where people want a chart that looks absolutely wrecked before they're ready to jump in. And um, fortunately for us, like Zephyr already did that from summer until October, so it's already put in kind of like it's you know, shallow bottom or whatever you want to, you know, that, you know, how the chart looks when, when these things mm-hmm. sort of emerge. So I think that's a good sign, but I think like in general, the market, um, the alt market has just sort of pulled back um, from some of the recent sort of push. And I don't know if it's like, I think the broader fear market wide seems to be like, what's Grayscale going to do with its Bitcoin. And um, that seems to be part of the, part of the play here. I don't know. I, I think the SEC just like listed fifteen coins under securities, and uh, pretty much all of those coins are like subchains of well, subchains that have happened. So like Solana, Matic, all these sort of coins are now like deemed as security apparently, which is what's being used against uh, Coinbase, which obviously is going to have a knock-on effect on anything on those chains. Sort of, but the judge kind of was like dismissive of most of that. The judge is like, um. You know, like the SEC rules don't necessarily apply fully and you have to create new laws. So, I don't, but, you know, the people that speculate on those things, I'm just saying, like, I know the, the crypto crowd and people don't give a shit about any of that. Like most people in the world are just morons. Like they don't follow any of that shit. We're assuming that we're like 
that other people are thinking like we are that like watching all these narratives or whatever. They just don't care. So I don't think oh, yeah. the SEC part worries me at all. It's more just like it's just like technically on a on the from chart basis, this is a typical disbelief rally, and a pullback from these disbelief rallies is very very common. Um, and um, it's mostly like you have to. Some people you have the exuberance; they have they're putting on a bunch of leverage, and other people are just in disbelief. And so usually the leverage players get killed off for a bit. And then the the disbelief is that, oh, no, the price is falling. It's not really a bull market. And then things can run, right? So when the bull market happens is when you have lots of new smart, I'm sorry, um, you have lots of new spot buyers and not just a bunch of leveraged traders. You need a huge yeah. amount of like floor pressure. And one indicator that this is happening is um, a couple of indicators. One is the amount of BTC on exchanges is at record lows. Um, so the number of people, um, you know, going to their wallets is some, like a indi indirect indicator of um, it's at a level. And then Chainlink, same story. I think only like fourteen percent of Chainlink is left on exchanges, um, and that's somewhat of a bellwether for people who want to just kind of huddle their coins. They're not interested in selling right now. And um, so, yeah, how much? So, yeah, if it, whatever coins you have, if you want to support your ecosystem, take those coins off exchanges. That sends a message to the broader community that. Um, that like, you know, you're not interested in selling sort of, if, even if you leave it on the exchange, um, at the very least you want to put a limit order in as a sell order at like something obnoxious, like put a sell order at like, let's say it was, um, chain link and you have left it on the exchange. Um, I would put a sell order in at like, you know, $250 or something, you know, way up high so that, um, so market makers are forced, um, especially on the big exchange, they can't. They can't trade your coins. Essentially, it locks them up, um, and because uh, because it's already in an order. So, a bad shout. I will do some of that now. I didn't actually think to do that. So yeah, you can put like limiters or just move them off. If it's tiny amounts, fine, whatever. But if um, if uh, otherwise, like move them to a, a wallet, so it solves this problem entirely. Yeah, I might so, actually okay. show that to the XLP guys as well, and be like, guys, put put your stop orders in for something obnoxiously high. Then uh, yeah, <laughs> well, stop from, stop from being able to fucking manipulate the price. They can still freeze your. Hmm? They may they may not be able to use your coins, but they could certainly just freeze your account. <laughs> and, um, and I use Uphold, so Uphold Uphold for my XRP because it's the only partnership with Ripple. So yeah. They can play the infinite customer service agent game where they just keep saying that people are working on it and people are helping you. Uh, as long as as long as it looks like I'm a millionaire, I'm happy with that. That's fine. Fuck it. I'll live with that. Like, you know, <laughs> fake it till you make it, right? Fake it till the customer agent of it. Chugga, you've got the physique of a, of like a, a multimillionaire who spends 75% of his fortune on staying youthful. Uh, no, yeah. I, I just I just fast and eat well. That's it. I mean, to be fair, all right, I say I eat well. I did a thirty-six hour fast or thirty-four hour fast, and I finished it last night. I went to a uh, heavy metal uh, gig when Zephy, 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 fucking Zephy, uh, invited me to the space yesterday. Hence why I couldn't turn up. So I do apologize for that, uh, Zephy. And then you and then you drank like. I the don't blood, drink the blood from like 30 umbilical cords. You just like sucked that blood to stay eternally youthful. Well, no, no, no. It was the blood of a lamb. 
blood of a lamb isn't it it's a heavy metal they all think we're satanic for going to these things so fuck it yeah just blood of a lamb like keeps you young but no uh i got home at one o'clock in the morning and i'm sure what everyone does after going out until dumb o'clock in the mornings i got 20 chicken nuggets i don't care mcdonald's fuck it <laughs> like, yeah i ate shit and then i got a subway the this chemicals morning. in that can preserve a chicken nugget for like 15 years that look nearly identical they could think what they could do for your body Oh, do you know what? Maybe. It'll probably poison the fuck out of it. Freeze you in eternal youth. So is that the secret to eternal life then? Just eat cancer those cells are immortal. That's the, that's the benefit of them. Cancer cells are immortal. I mean, isn't fasting supposed to help with that? It's supposed to increase autophagy. It's supposed to do more than that, mate. It's supposed to uh, kill off all the... Uh, negative all, all the weak cells in your body which obviously turn into cancer cells etc in theory where your your cells your body kind of eats its own cells destroys its own cells and but the cancer cells supposedly are affected by this disproportionately well, yeah, no, no, the cancer aside um before you guys die of cancer um the, the trick here is to get rich first because that's the video game we're playing. Oh, um, shit. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So but, that, that's um, the, that's so, the matrix simulation for this. Uh, yeah. This, this so the next thing is like, um, yeah, I was just kind of watching um, a few things, like, for example, the sort of like AI themed uh, coins, like, for example, Fetch and um, Akash and things like that. And um, what, uh, what has been going on with that is pretty much the, um, like, I think the, like I said before, I think the AI narrative as far as like Twitter story and, you know, crypto mindshare has gone down a bit. And I feel like that's being reflected in kind of the more weaker performance of like fetch and stuff as they fall, as they drop, by, drop, drop down. Um, so anyway, like that, I think that's with the, hold up a second. It's fine. I'm just uh, setting up my bank account and uphold so that I can take profit when I'm a millionaire from XRP. Steffi, what is the cereal of kings? I, see, I hear you eating like cereal on, on nearly every space that lasts over seven hours or so. And I was wondering, is there like... Uh... My apologies. Give me a second. I have to answer a message. <laughs> I don't know what I'm eating. Some random cereal. Leaving me hanging. This is not good mentorship if you can't even advise me on like blueberry muffin tops or what is it? I mean, I can give you a very boring cereal that they've recently turned into a fun cereal. Okay. Weetabix, right? And everyone knows Weetabix, yeah? Everyone on your small island. Okay, everyone in my small island in Australia which is, you know, much bigger than my small island, uh, knows Weetabix. So I can tell you that for a fact. And most people across all the old British colonies do as well. Considering you used to be a colony, I didn't know if you guys, uh, well, do have Weetabix. But the fact that you know of it says it all. But imagine that with little bits of Nutella and hazelnut mixed into it, like little puffs, basically. Oh, gorgeous. gorgeous. We have Weetabix, like but we use them exclusively for, like, sheep feed. I mean, anyway, uh, okay, so I'm back. Um, what cereal is? I don't know, like some almond thing. I don't know. It's like flakes with almonds or some shit in it. I'm not sure, really sure. I just saw I it. Reckon he, I reckon he's eating like the American Weetabix. It's the only thing that makes sense. Something, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, be sure, like, anyway, be sure to watch for opportunities here, by the way, because um, 
Uh, most people here don't want to hear you guys uh, bullshitting about I don't know what. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, I think like um, the what's being more and more like recognized as like I think the crypto under recognized opportunity is clearly like uh, clearly chain link in all of this. Um, I would say like in the top 100, it's like the least recognized as far as what it can do. Um, it's pretty interesting. The um, like, so my understanding after just digging through it is that um, Arbitrum, Optimism, uh, what else? Um, Matic, uh, and then a variety of DApps and things, uh, GMX, um, a lot of different um, systems uh, are basically now on the CCIP mainnet for Chainlink. So, like, it's essentially the best way to look at it would be a competitor for IBC. Um, really, like, I don't know, at some level making IBC pointless, which is kind of frustrating, but um, replicates what IBC does on Cosmos in a sense, but also has Oracle benefits in the background. So you can create like systems where you don't actually need, in some instances, a DEX to do things. So think about that for a minute. It like, it reduces your reliance upon DEXs and centralized exchanges um, to a substantial degree because you can swap between things. Um, any chain that incorporates CCIP, you can go like direct from uh, place to place. Um, give me just a second. Someone's trying to message me about some. Sorry, just a work thing. Anyway, um, yeah. So like the 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 point is uh, a lot of these things are already implemented and. Um, are generating steadily going to start generating revenues for like Chainlink link holders and the actual um, um, you know the system is going to actually generate money, which um, it was not the case really in any way before. And then for now, like some of the stakers on the various Oracle networks are getting paid out in the team tokens essentially their the team allocation. So that's creating some inflation every month. Um, which does have some effect on price, but like long-term that improves network effect and uh, helps build out the network. And then it's one of, it's a project that's set, set up to where once you, um, um, once things sort of improve to a certain level, um, uh, like in terms of network effects, you'll eventually not have to subsidize any of these things and it'll be self-reliant. So the CCIP transaction fees, are such that like the system will become like a proper business in a sense, which um, anyway. Um, so anyway, but I think like in, in the, the larger cap things, um, I picked up sort of a more outsized bag of chain link because the probability of uh, like successful price action long over the next, um, uh, over the coming bull market is pretty good. Um, so just something to be aware of, um, like undervalued in the sense that almost nobody knows what any of this stuff does and doesn't realize how much stuff it does. You see very little like non chain link Marine type accounts, uh, showing up and, uh, expressing the understanding of what's going on. Um, so anyway, anyway, um, so Chug, did you, did you do a comparison yet of XRP and chain link yet? No, did you want me to? No, I mean, yeah, you should, you probably ought to. You like if you own a coin, you should understand the competitors, right? I like, mean, what does 
And then same thing with Chainlink. The, a competitor might be like Python Network, which is a much smaller market cap, um, but uh, doesn't. There, isn't, the there isn't a real competitor to Ripple. That's the thing. I'm not using XRP because of XRP. I'm using it because of what Ripple does and like the everything they've got going for them. Now that could be stupid of me, in all fairness, but they're a billion dollar company. Pretty much, making... pretty much what Chainlink does now, uh, it can do everything that XRP does plus oracles. So yeah, it's pretty it can. much everything. Yeah, but XRP has oracles. I've already shown you that. I showed you that like a few spaces ago. It's had, it's had oracles going since 2022. No, but the, the difference is that the, um, the, the Oracle network for um, Chainlink has been like more battle tested over a longer time, right? So it's like sure. that makes a difference. So it's like the lead um, Oracle network for crypto as well. Do you know what else makes a difference? Partnerships. And the, the other thing that makes that helps is that the market cap is much smaller. So you're much more likely to make money on it than XRP. <laughs> That's the other thing. Uh, no, no, no. Just because there's a smaller market cap does not mean it goes up. Now, it, obviously, when Bitcoin goes up, everything goes up. Fair enough. I'm not disagreeing no, with that. No, the smaller market cap things almost always go up more. Yeah, almost. almost. It, yeah, no, no, no. That, that, that's actually going to... But that doesn't necessarily mean XRP is not going to go up. Think about all the partnerships they've spent the last four years building while they've been fighting the SEC. People are still forming partnerships, just waiting for this case to end. The minute this I, case I reviewed ends, the partnerships, they're pretty, they're pretty simple. They're not very big, by the way. <laughs> like, it's, like it's like the Bank it, of Australia. The implementations they, are pretty minimal so far. Yep. Well, no, no, no. The XRPLs, so the private ledgers that don't necessarily run XRP, we haven't actually had a full confirmation yet to confirm uh for countries dude like country cdbcs <laughs> like that, that's not small that, yeah that, that's there's one that's like was it singapore or somebody was looking and had a setup with it i think australia uh, announced it singapore siam siam bank or somebody like had some connection I, forget, well, I don't know the exact details but hsbc are one of them and hsbc is one of the biggest banks in the world but what are they doing with XRP though? Have they actually implemented a whole system with them or not yet? Like they're just so, working on something. From what it looks like, that's what they're tokenizing gold on, on the XRPL, a private ledger built by XRP for them. Obviously, they don't want a public ledger. Like just because just, just blockchain can be public, it doesn't mean it has to be. So they're using Ripple as a way, I guess, of hiding what they have <laughs> so that it's not open to the public. But obviously, you know, you can still show your assets when it comes to you know the end of the year so tokenizing gold is going to be a really big thing which is why you get all these dickheads turning around going and they are dickheads oh xrp's value is that of gold no it's not it's not that of gold like it, it just can't be there's not enough money in the fucking world for it to be no, that it has nothing gold. to do with tokenizing has nothing to do with the value of the coin no. or the value of gold itself it's nothing to but do with that. what they try and do is they're trying to peg it to that well, no, they're not. Nah, you're just talking like, no, nah, there's no need to entertain retards. Like, that has nothing. Yeah, to no, do. no, exactly. Like, like, <laughs> like I, I, I sit there rubbing my rehashing those conversations, honestly. But yeah, the public but won't that's... understand. Ninety-nine percent of people don't understand anything about what anything in crypto does. Like, I mean, I mean, ninety-nine percent liberally. Like, it's probably ninety-nine point nine. Like, have no idea honest. what anything does. I have <laughs> so, a fundamental. I have a fundamental, and that's it. Understanding of crypto, I'm still yeah. learning bits and pieces here and there. I'll, I'll never quit. Yeah, exactly. I, I know. I'm into knowledge base. Um, ultimately is what hap what we have. And so, but yeah, the thing is like, yeah, trying to like explain the complete retard arguments away is just a waste of time. It's like, you know, that type of education, something that like you actually have to read a book for generally, <laughs> like you're not going to get yeah. by teaching someone online, you know, they do, Oh, you said this and they said that I'm like, no, you're just going to stay dumb. 
Um, it's like they have to go and like, you know, when they say do your own research, the reality is most people don't do very much research at all. No, no, they jump on Google, read a few lines and quote that because it, yeah. it fits their narrative. They don't look at everything in between and go, hang on a minute. This yeah, actually doesn't, this doesn't smell the right. Be, the same could be said of my knowledge about whatever XRP Ripple does or doesn't do. Like it's, it's minimal at best, right? So I'm not, um, I'm never going to try to be claiming to be some sort of expert about it. Um, <laughs> Um, but like there, there is sort of like also just the general, the tech space sentiment in terms of who is adopting what. And um, yeah. like if you comparatively look at how many builders are building on like the Chainlink system and uh, all of the various like blockchains that have actually incorporated Chainlink at this point, it's pretty much the largest systems like Abe and whatever in the world. So in crypto space. So definitely hard it's going to be hard for cosmos as well to make inroads into this because like once you have uh for example you can bring in usdc via circle now via Chainlink ccip into any blockchain that connects that that would be basically um well now the big the big layer twos like optimism arbitrum etc already have native um, circle usdc as it is so it's not like the biggest thing for them but it'll it'll benefit them in other cross-chain bridges but um for smaller chains like that are starting out like you know would it make more sense to incorporate ccip via chain link and you'll have instant access to all the coins and things that are on the chain link connections or does it make sense to like try to individually go to tether and you circle and all these different things to incorporate gold or whatever it is right so the thing yeah. is with the way the way that um, Chainlink works is with one connection to ccip you have access to everything the tokenization of anything and the token and also the cross-chain bridging of anything and also like the potential tokenization of stocks and everything else so the dcc like clearinghouse which is like the biggest clearinghouse for stocks or whatever it is in the world um like they they are cooperating with Chainlink to do their thing and then i think some banks are too because like there's discussions on uh from banking purposes like from like larry fink and jamie diamond have been hinting about this sort of shit um and they're talking about how bitcoin's nonsense like well jamie diamond has this philosophy that bitcoin's nonsense fink doesn't think that he thinks that um it's interesting and obviously has an etf with blackrock but um they differ on the bitcoin discussion but both of them seem to agree that tokenizing assets is the future yeah, so, the thing, so the thing about uh, Jamie, though, is he caused a massive stock collapse or a massive world economy collapse in 2008. He, he, he deserves to be hung for what he's done to people's wealth, but people still listen to him. So Yeah, yeah and, although uh, the subprime mortgage stuff wasn't necessarily uh, JP Morgan. It was like there was a bunch of other um, countrywide and a whole bunch of others that went downhill during that time. Yeah, so, but come on. Call it, call it what the, it will, but yeah, the bankers' hands culprits. are not clean. Yeah, their hands are not clean. Uh, that's for sure. The He's definitely a running man for uh, Hillary. That's for sure. Hillary well, and Warren. The good news is if you tokenize everything, we can have even mega giga Ponzi's and crash the economy even worse, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so everyone's like talking about tokenization, but the tokenization leads to leverage because the more derivatives you have, the more easy it is for the average person to take. Um, Speaking of derivatives, take on leverage. that's something that you'll find interesting about Ripple. They've actually uh, they're partnered with the IMF now. I think they're the only cryptocurrency that is partnered with IMF, which basically means they're trying to get into the derivatives market, mainly debt than anything else. And if they even capture 1% of that, 
using XRP, and I'm not saying they will, I'm saying if. So it's pure speculation. Again, remember, when you do these things, it re results in no actual value to the XRP holder. Remember this. No, true, XRP, true. you just exchange it for, for like one asset to the other. Nobody, nobody's there is going to invest. Those banks are not going to invest in XRP. They're just going to use it as a, a, as a transfer medium. So, Which is like, still investing in it because the more you use it, the more it gets burnt, the more they have to buy to use it. So that, that's an investment, essentially. Yeah, not, not it, really. It depends it's on how much like, they buy. It depends on how much they buy. No, but they don't buy. You're missing the point. Like, let's say um, it would have to be an active use, and it's only an active use for a second, right? Because you, you transfer to it and you transfer out of it when you go to the destination. You're not like, there's no residual holding effect of it necessarily. Like minimal, minimal residual holding effect. So, and the value of XRP, the price of the chain has no, it doesn't have to be that high in order to get this effect. For example, you could be like, I don't know, a $10 billion chain and get the same effect. So does that, you see what I'm saying? Like there's not, yeah. it's not necessary for the network security with XRP to have that be a very high value. And these banks and things do not want to um, speculate on some intermediate token, generally speaking. They want to use it as a transport layer, but they're not interested in making money off it no. necessarily. Its so, primary thing would be cross-border payments. Like I think we can agree on that. It's cheap yeah, as chips. That's, that's the idea. Money. But then, now, so again, is it, so, so is every crypto, though, for that. That's the funny thing. Like You could use any crypto for cross-border payments. There's nothing unique about XRP that makes it better, specifically. There is you're missing the point these people don't want to deal with random individual companies like, that's for example, true. I, think, I agree i see Chainlink has you know it's got a development team i just did a bit of research on it then and it has yeah. got a development company in that, but it doesn't have the financial background or the net worth that ripple has and that's what they, the, 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 let's be honest if you're rich you're not going to go the company's support, net worth do you know ripple or i think ripple was like 50 billion wasn't it or not like the market cap. no 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 the company itself the, the yeah, that's what, that's, what that's what I'm talking about. Ripple's worth more than the coin itself. Yeah, but they can't. They can't go and yeah. Is it though? Are you sure? I doubt Wait, it. Well, last I checked, hang on. Uh, Ripple is it a publicly traded company? It's a stock or? Uh, they're well. They haven't gone to IPO yet, so I know they're looking to go to IPO. Oh, fucking! I'm just going on to Google now. Hang on. Uh, Ripple company value? I don't know about that. There's no way it's a fifty billion dollar company. No way in the universe. Like, like that would be like, you know, the size of Ford Motor Company or some shit. Like, it's like, um, you, you know, know they operate in like twenty five countries or something like that, right? What's that? They, they, they operate in like something like twenty five countries. Well, I think it's twenty five countries. Oh, they, they very well might, but like, but the actual value of the company it might not be public. Let's have a look. Okay, so no, the, the the valuation of six days ago. Sorry, it wasn't fifty. I overshot that. Eleven point three billion. That's the Where IPO the... value. Wait, they so, IPO'd? The the IPO valuation is eleven point three theoretically. Uh, this is from uh, well Reuters. So yeah, Reuters reported that. Price surges rippled nears IPO. Did it IPO? No, uh, it's not IPO'd yet. It's just that's a rumor that's been going around for the last six Likely go public in the future. IPO day is unknown. Da -da -da. That's like back in summer of 2023. I don't see any new news about this. Uh, so FX Street posted something. Uh, I know they're not the most trusted goddamn thing, but like it's a source from Reuters. Hmm. And they, they just bought back and they just bought back 285 million in shares. So, yeah. <laughs> Wait, shares? What do you mean shares? You mean well, they sold. 
they, no, no, they sold shares, didn't they, to private investors and stuff like that oh, back okay. in like years and years ago, and they just bought back two hundred eighty-five. Well, they're trying to buy back two hundred eighty-five million shares. So they're trying to buy back their shares in order to um, get a larger fraction before the IPO or something, or I would imagine so. It's a, it's a the usual tactic, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Um, I, I'm not so, sure. It depends. It depends on the company. Depends. The on quote the company. That, so you know who Brad Garlinghouse is, yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. So he's turned around. And he's gone. Uh, the firm expects to do more share buybacks on a regular basis and provide liquidity for investors instead of its former plans to go public. Blah 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 blah. Apparently, Garlinghouse, the regulatory uncertainty in the U.S. is the deciding factor uh, in Ripple's decision not to go public. So basically, if regulatory shit comes into play properly against the sec then they'll probably they'll go public if it doesn't come into play then they won't go public is what they said mm. which makes sense because they did say they're probably going to move their headquarters if all this shit goes down the, you know down the pan they, they said they're probably going to move it to london so yeah forbes estimates brad garlinghouse's net worth at around nine and a half billion mm-hmm. 6.3 stake in in ripple He's a rich bitch, isn't he? <laughs> He's got good money. Born in Kansas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I never really followed the guy. Um, he's a funny guy if you actually watch his interviews. He's actually, yeah, he's, he's a very charming guy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. That's how you get access to other people's money. <laughs> yeah, that, that is literally how it works. A, yeah. You have to talk a good game, for sure. Exactly. Um, like, let's see. Uh, my only problem with them at the minute, and this is it, is they keep poking the fucking bear. Like, if you if you actually go on their Twitter and stuff like that, they've got Stuart Alderoy, I think his name is, their lawyer, who's constantly doing, like, videos for, like, what, crypto, basically cryptocurrency terms and trying to educate people. And then he always brings the SEC into the videos going, this is not what actually it is. This is what it is. They want you to believe this. This is what it is. And I think they even did like the clown Gensler on one of their videos at one point <laughs> and just faded him in and out like to basically say he's a prick, essentially. And I well, think poking the bear is the worst fucking thing you can do. What's that? Oh, public, yeah, well, whatever. That's not whatever, like you know. Look at the price of the token. You, it could have been much higher. You have some people like that, and some people that don't. Um, I don't mind it. It's just there's a time and a place. Win first, then poke the bear. Like fucking hell, like you, you haven't won if yet. If you're Steve Jobs, you poke the bear like your entire life. You didn't give a fuck. Yeah, look at him and now. Sort of part and parcel with how these people are, but you don't know. Like who who knows? He's probably not the one that made the meme or whatever. Right? It's not like. Oh, no, no, he didn't make the meme. He just uses it to take the piss. <laughs> probably some, some employee probably made it or some shit and posted it or whatever. Um, no, the XRP army made the meme. Uh, they've yeah, been doing so. it for a while. <laughs> Even yeah. proper hating Gary Gensler. Oh, so the XRP people funny. will post all sorts of shit, but it has nothing to do with the company. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, most of them support the company, to be fair, but there is a lot of, like, backlash in a minute, like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, like, being so quiet about everything? What's going on? Mm. And, like, I think that's one big thing, like, all these companies that promise big fucking things, no matter how big they are, they need to, like, address things on a regular basis. I mean, look at Bruce. He addresses autism shit constantly, and it's not like it's a giant company. It's, what, form, oh, three-point-something million market cap at the minute? What are we talking about? Like the autism coin. 
Oh, but the market cap's meaningless. There's no. No, no. But what what I'm saying is like, it's a it, it's extremely low. But Bruce every single day will post something to do with autism, whereas these big companies just feel like they don't need to. Like Jasmine, fucking TRX. Justin's oh, yeah, yeah. getting. No, Ju- Justin focuses on Huo Boy more than anything. Is it Huo Boy? I don't know. I'm fucking no, but full companies don't post. You know, that's a meme coin thing. You, full companies don't post stuff every day unless there's actual news going on. Um, yeah, yeah, but there's questions that people have that don't get answered because they just go quiet for ages. Answer the fucking questions. <laughs> like keep keep like it's like you said, coins that have a decent community and keep shilling hardcore on like Twitter and stuff like that. That's how the price goes up, right? That's, that's... Yeah, I mean that was um, you know, that's that's one thing that the XRP folks have had historically is a pretty good cult. And that cult formed fairly early because remember like um uh XRP came out when it's been like um was it twenty twenty four I mean, I'm well, sorry, 14 or what, what was it? Let me see. Hold did on. you know Ripple have been working on blockchains long before Bitcoin was released, right? <laughs> they were the first one. It's been proven. They didn't uh, release anything, but they were working no, they, on it. No, they were not the first one. It was, um, what's it called? Um, no, there, there's other, there was other projects before Bitcoin that, that were already there. Um, but anyway, the um, no, but XRP, like, yeah, it came out in 2013. And the thing is, not very many things. Uh, existed in 2013. So they've had a plenty of time to build kind of a, um, like they've had plenty of time to build a um, sort of like the cult essentially. And they've had um, like, there wasn't too much out there at the time. And so, so liquidity built on XRP with high depth very early, um, you know, back during the BTC bull run. But notice, like, nobody cared about XRP either until Bitcoin ran. It's 2018 during the altcoin pump. Oh, yeah, went. no, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Bitcoin Nobody really popular. cared about it until BTC became a thing. And then um, and then every alt pretty much pumped because, you know, there's basically like, oh, Bitcoin went up, everything else can go up, and fewer were there during that time. Basically, like, everything ran up. And then um, somehow or another, like, SRP has been able to maintain a pretty sizable like baseline market cap so it's like sitting at 30 billion or what whatnot but yeah but i think like comparatively at this point um the at this moment at least the xrp token has no value to the holder what i'm trying to point out on Chainlink is that is no longer the case so the the longer term effect is like the the chain link coin holder actually gets yield um through all the different new staking um things that are happening which will end up locking up the supply of the coin in people that want to stake, but also, you know, um, it's being created as a universal gas token. So any chain that you're on, Ethereum, um, whatever, you can just simply have Chainlink in your wallet. You have CCIP integration in like say MetaMask, and now you can pay with um, Chainlink tokens as opposed to Ethereum or Atom or whatever. So what will happen is, is that you get to a point where any chain that incorporates CCIP you'll be able to simply pay with Chainlink as your gas token. That's an interesting new thing. And that creates like a new series of holders and a new series of utility for the coin and then all that. So it's it has a very, very different, much more broad, like um, sort of crypto uh, integration case at this point. And so like, and its market cap is currently at like, what, 10 billion or something, eight, nine billion. So um uh, I, I think it's in my mind a front runner. Well, first off, like previously, it had market caps much higher, as did XRP. By the way, this, these are bear market sort of values. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right? I know, I know. 
so these things can really go up quite a bit. Um, but I'd say like, um, in a, in a bullish market, like Chainlink doing a 10 X from here is very like reasonable doing, going back up to its prior market cap is very reasonable. Um, like, which is at 50 bucks or whatever it's at 15 now. Um, that pretty much puts you at like a, you know, four X from here, approximately that gets you to like, you know, you know, 30 to 35 billion market cap, um, just without even breaking its prior high. I think like Chainlink's chance of breaking its prior high is quite good. Um, on the other hand, like let's, the thing about XRP is its prior high was really high, um, which it topped out. $1.34. Yeah, it topped out back in... Um, um, 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, 2017, 2018 actually. Um, it topped out at $3.40. I remember that moment, actually, when it, when it popped to that level. And of course, remember, that's in a very illiquid market, like in the sense that that number is basically meaningless because there's no actual exit liquidity, which can be evidenced by the follow-up chart where it drops to 31 cent, right? Well, so hang on. Is... No, it dropped to 31 cents because the SEC case came. No, no, that, no, no, that... no. The reason it dropped well, to 31 cents is pay attention. This is finance 101. There is no exit liquidity when you had back in 2018. So the bottom line is the price pumped because there was no liquidity to that extreme level. We're talking about going from 24 cents to $3.40. I was there, by the way, during that time. And the reason it goes up like that, look at Internet Computer, another good example of this kind of pump and dump. But the reason it pumps so hard is because there's no liquidity. The coin was never really worth $3.40 in the sense that like, that is not a sustainable market cap ever. That was a market cap that was destined to drop because there's no way it can stay that high, right? The same thing when BTC went to 20K and dropped down to 3K. Remember that? So same story. Like, mm. So illiquid markets can cause pumps. has nothing to do with actual valuation. The actual value of a cryptocurrency is at the bottom. The bottom is the real value, not the top. So like, it went from 21 cents or so, you know, kind of consolidated, and then it kind of like created a higher low in the 30 cent range ultimately like dip back to 20 cent range in uh, May of 2020 or so, and then kind of then started climbing up again. And so now like it's this, the market cap now at like 56 cents or whatever is a stabilized market cap. So remember, it's much, much harder to move the actual price of the coin. In fact, 2021, it made it to $1.79, but notice it was not able to make it back to 340 again. So most altcoins will bleed against Bitcoin in this sense because the actual market depth, the actual market liquidity, the number of new. So when you have high depth, the number of new people that have to buy the coin goes up exponentially. So at this point to move up from um, like 57 cents where it's now, it can definitely make it back to 2021 levels in theory because I already did it once. But it requires like with each subsequent cycle. Um, uh, like with each subsequent cycle, it takes um, like 10x more users to get to the point where you, you price pumps more or 10x more leverage, meaning like there's people in the market that are playing on leverage. But remember, the other thing about leverage is that um, leverage also tends to stabilize prices to some extent. Futures contracts like on Bybit or whatever tend to stabilize things because now you can um, um, like because that tends to cause shorting pressure as well. Right. So like. So it's yeah. actually much, much easier to pump the price of a coin the first year it comes out compared to every subsequent year after that. So, um, yeah, market depth and liquidity are why you get these giga pumps. But you can't just go back and look at a chart and go, hey, 
you know, my coin went to $3.40 before. Therefore, it ought to do that again now because of X, Y, and Z developments, right? Because the, the, the market cap of these things is way, way, way higher than the actual utility. Um, uh, as, as a general example, like, I don't know, let's pull up a stock, like, I don't know, um, let's pick up a company that makes something like um, Toyota, for example, TM. Let's see what their market cap is just to sort of see. I think they made an all-time uh, like 52-week high lately. So what's their market cap? And they make a lot of cars. They're one of the more popular car companies in the world. What's their market cap? Let's see. Um, but like understanding how market caps work and like how do you analyze this stuff is really important, especially if you're going to spend any real money in this market. Like otherwise, um, you, you can get wrecked really easily. <laughs> okay, so market cap for Toyota is like $270 billion as an example. Does Ripple do anything that's even one-tenth like what Toyota does? The answer is no. Like, let's look at IBM as an example. Um, so IBM's uh, got like this gigantic cloud service businesses, quantum computing, whatever. Yeah. They're worth $150 billion. Does XRP or Chainlink or whatever do anything near that? The answer is no. <laughs> so, so like these market caps in crypto are like false numbers in the sense that the exit liquidity um, is a lot smaller than you think. So the minute selling starts to happen, there's no market depth. And that's true of also stocks too. Like there's not a truly $150 billion of exit liquidity for IBM. Like maybe it's half that. But in crypto, it's only like maybe 10% of that or less. So well, if you had you everybody sell, you only have about 10% of the actual cash in USD available to exit. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it's no different to banks. Like, you, if everyone wants to try and take all their money out of the banks, there's not enough money that actually exists yeah. for you to take Well, that's banks. different. That's the difference between deposits and whatnot. But this is in a market cap. It's a little bit different, too. Let's not, like, don't don't mix two different uh, oil and water things here. But, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, there's less money in the bank than you think, yes. But in stocks, that's also true in a sense um, in that market caps are only as good as the number of, like, cash buyers for that thing. So, for example... Um, if you go to the supermarket and the supermarket sells out of milk, then, um, you know, the last jug of milk usually costs the same as the first jug of milk on the shelf. Whereas with crypto, the, the last jug of milk on the shelf is worth 1% of what the <laughs> 1% of what the first jug of milk was. And this is like generally true of how sort of market caps work, unless you have gigantic market market makers creating a lot of like, um, market depth but even then there's a with supply and demand the ask and the bid will take prices all over the place so but anyway yeah like in general if you're trying to sort of make a buck in crypto um as as opposed to be sort of like just simply a long term supporter for some reason then um you really need something whose price can move up and prices can move up if they have relatively low market depth early on but when it's your turn to sell like you're like hey i bought zephyr at you know five dollars but i want to sell this thing for you know when it's worth my bag is worth a million dollars well to have enough like liquidity to exit you have to have a lot more exchange listings and a lot more um you just have to have by that point a lot more um uh, market depth um and market makers putting up cash and uh, like, so the peop there's someone there to actually buy your coins. Um, so either you have the market maker buy your coins when you're selling, or you have new buyers come in and buy your coins as the price drops, right? So typically, like if you're a whale and you try to sell a small market cap thing, 
That's why people joke about cheating or whatever. What happens is the market cap drops really fast um, when when that occurs. So anyway, just just some thoughts. I, so the plus thing about XRP is it doesn't matter how much you own. Like you could have a million bucks of it, and you're barely going to move the market if you sell, and you're barely going to move the market if you buy. So there's good depth if you're a speculator at, at size. So it's harder for people to deploy like, um, you know, million, 10 million, hundred million dollar depth, you know, market size orders on things that are much smaller. Um, even like when BTC was being purchased by Tesla, for example, it wasn't gigantic amounts, but it definitely moved the market. Um, and so that's why Tesla said, yeah, we sold like, I don't remember what it was, 90% of their Bitcoin or something. Why'd they sell it? Because they were testing the market depth. They wanted to see like, you know, how much actual exit liquidity was there if they try to sell, right? Because like on paper, you it might say, oh, my Bitcoin's worth 40 million, you know, for, uh, or it's it's worth, for, you know, 40 on B, the $40,000, you know, for Bitcoin. But then when you go to sell, if you're selling in size, it now is only worth 30,000 because your, your sell orders cause the market to dump, right? So that's the thing that um, that happens with these things. I didn't realize that was the reason in buying it. It's quite an interesting, uh, yeah. I didn't realize they were just testing the market. To be fair, I thought they were just trying to make a buck. But Ripple could make cars if they wanted to. He said that they weren't any good as like a Toyota, but I think that they totally have the tech that they could make cars. XRP, drive it. The XRP. <laughs> That's a really good slogan. Whoever said that XRP drive it, <laughs> like it. I was very, I uh, they were awesome. Was that you, you Grin? Are you bending yeah. anyway, Grin? You doing all right? I haven't seen you. You can copyright Grin has copyrighted that phrase, so be sure you you uh like you know give him uh, proper accolades if you uh, use it. Oh God, no, never will. Otherwise, it would be plagiarism, right? <laughs> Anyway, um, can you plagiarize free speech? <laughs> like Muhammad, that, do you I have guess. some question rel relative to the conversation that has something to do with uh, what we're talking about? Or? Yeah, it's every have you guys. And uh, yeah, it's X XRP is a shit thing, man. So I, I hold it for two years and then I sold that thing out. So I'm out. <laughs> so, Wait, when did you buy it? Like it's two years, man. Like it's, I, I, it's two years, man. I, I like, uh, I bought it like, uh, and I sold it like, uh, uh you can say on the same price so you know never lose so much so yeah i'm happy with that so but you do know that like the crypto market how it works right like it, everything goes up at one time and then everything dumps at one time you right like you know this yeah that's right man so the, the thing is that like it's, it's better to you know to invest in some other projects to, uh, or to just wait and you know just to, to watch that thing to fly so yeah so i i I took that decision, so you know, I moved my money, I parked my money, so I'm like on a, another project. So yeah, I'm happy with that. So let's see how it goes. Okay, you, what, what, what did you buy? So I'm in your spaces right now. So yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> so Zef and uh, I, I Kuji. Oh, you got some Kuji. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you XRP two years ago, and then you sold XRP at the same price today. You have lost real money because of inflation, because XRP price would have stayed the same, but like the value of the dollar has gone down. So you've un you've like underperformed everything. So, meanwhile, uh, when the price was going down, so I was like <laughs> buying in that dips too. So you know, uh, so I kind okay. of managing things. Yeah. 
He just ignores you completely. But uh, yeah, I see so your point. The, the correct thing to do is basically during a bear market, you pretty much buy all the way to the bottom, just hold it, and then um, and then you ride up the the bull market. And typically, what you do with most alts is they'll drop something like you know seventy percent from the top or something like that, up to like ninety percent from the top. So what you do is you just simply like you scale in after things have dropped about eighty percent at least. And then you can start scaling in. That's pretty much the, that's all you have to know. Um, it's really pretty, quite simple. <laughs> like um, take Zephyr right now, for example. It's a good buy now because it's down seventy five percent from the top. So it's like, you know, it's the the most um, it's the nicest buy zone. The only thing is, you don't know for sure a coin's going to go that low. So it's just purely luck whether you catch the precise bottom or not. And that's not usually very important because. You know, if you caught like fourteen dollars effort, but it goes to ten, and then it goes to you know two hundred or whatever, like, do you really, you know, it, it's all a bit of like approximation and a bit of a gamble anyway. No matter how patient you are, you're not going to be perfectly accurate on every bottom every time. So it's just getting like in that general range um, and having a plan for like how you're going to deal with uh, the price of an asset going down. It's all you have to have in your head. But yeah, yes, yeah, I have a question related to ICP and uh, uh, about the dot coin polka dot. So, what do you think? Like, uh, the, the, they are going to make the uh, like prior highs, or what do you think? I don't have any clue, like, I don't follow either of them. I know polka dot has been building things, I know apparently ICP has as well. I don't know how much that plays because remember, none of these coins are worth anywhere near what the actual sort of like you know, market cap suggests that they are. They just go up because like people speculate on them and each cycle people forget about their wallets and they just, the coins just sit there. So, um, you know, I think Polkadot's top previous was like 53, very similar to Adam, which was like 44. And um, and now you're at $7 Polkadot. So can it go back up to the prior high? It's possible. Or it, that was its full first bull run though or it may pull an xrp where it never goes to prior high ever again that's a possibility too my question it hasn't yet <laughs> hasn't yet yeah keep living in that fantasy world man um <laughs> like there are a lot of coins that don't go back to prior high a lot and so what i'm pointing out is like you don't know this for sure and so therefore you shouldn't plan on it with any kind of certainty and polka dot for example because its first um first like uh top was during the first bull market that polka dots ever had because polka dot only started its price action in like 2020 right like so it just started right there and so it got lucky and then it got released right in time for the bull market and everyone's like polka dot polka dot polka dot cheerleading it on youtube and everything and it pumped just like everything else same thing adam had its biggest run during that season as well is Adam or Polkadot going to do the same thing again? There's just no guarantee that's certain of this. Um, there are many coins, and um, the Bitcoin maxis like to point this out. There are many coins that do not reach their prior high again for whatever reason. Um, and the biggest reason, I would say, is because the initial price pump was mostly nonsense anyway. The second pump is the one that you have to really watch for. So, for example, with Litecoin, um, as a perfect example, the first pump took it to a high of, um, I can't remember what it was here. It's hard to 
the stupid scale is not letting me find the exact top. But point is, like the first top was um, like barely beaten on the second season in 2021. So like while Bitcoin went from like first the 2017 top was 20k, and its 2021 top was more like 70k. Litecoin basically put in a double top, um, and um, you know, and on the plus side, it's put in higher lows. So remember, I told you the true value of the coin is the bottom. Um, and if you're buying it for the utility or the store of value, you would you would buy Litecoin between like 40 bucks and now. Like th- this is kind of the range, you know, and and it's put in higher lows every season. But what it has not done is put in dramatically higher highs. So higher highs usually happen if you have dramatically increased amounts of capital coming in and dramatically increased amounts of adoption. How many people do you know that are like, oh, yeah, bro, I'm holding Litecoin forever or like I'm holding you know, Litecoin because I'm going to get rich or I'm holding Litecoin for X, Y and Z reasons? Almost nobody. So what happens is if your coin and I don't care which coin it is, but like it's XRP, it's Chainlink, whatever it is, if this season it doesn't put in a high higher than like it's had before and it's had 10 years to do so then like you know it could get stuck in that it never picks up why because speculators want what they want to get rich and if their coin is not making them rich because it's like not you know investors especially the ones that are holding long term 10 years or whatever if they're not seeing that this thing is like performing as they want then eventually on the next downturn they're going to sell and they're not going to come back right because like there's an opportunity cost to putting money somewhere if your money if you're not constantly growing then you might as well be in the stock market or something so the the investor is going to have an issue now the speculator may be fine like you might buy any of these coins like at the bottom of the bear market and do well um so speculators will typically do okay in that respect but you have to understand what you're going to be if you're going to be like a speculator fine be a speculator but if you're going to be like a hardcore like you know, you know, you know, maxi and whatever coin that you're going to be in, then you better fucking love the thing because you might end up not making any actually money on it. You're just oh, supporting, no, you're supporting the company, but not necessarily making any money. So there's a lot of stocks in the stock market that do this, by the way. They sit there for years and years and years, don't go anywhere. And you can buy the dips on them and whatever, but you're not necessarily making any real serious gain. Well, no, I'm with you on that. To be fair, uh, the, uh, the this is what I said. If it doesn't start pumping by about May, maybe June, I'm out because yeah, it, I, think, I think a lot I'm of coins are going to face that same problem. Like, it's a good idea, man. No, if, like, well, first of all, the the momentum so far should tell you a lot. Like, already we're sort of like uh, halfway through the bull market already. By the way, the bull market began at the bottom right? The bottom of the last bear market. So we're already halfway through. And I've been here the entire time and watching all these different things. Like, um, I don't know, let me, let me, let me pull up the XRP chart just as an example. Let's see what fibs it hit and whatnot, as far as like, um, like how far it's come off the bottom and stuff real quick. Um, okay. So, all right. So if you take last year's, uh, I mean, the 2021 top or whatever, and you were to sort of, um, yeah, pull up some retracements here. What do we get? So, second, give me a sec to draw this thing for just a moment. Um, okay, so I believe the top was top was a dollar ninety six. The bottom for um, XRP was. 
good volatility, <laughs> uh, 28 cents. Um, and then it's made it back up to one, two, three. Um, in uh, was it the SEC thing that happened during the summer? Like seven, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever it takes. Uh, yeah, so, 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 so got a pump there, which means like people were paying attention to it. Um, I bought some during that and I bought some and sold it during that little pump. Um, nice, nice, is a bit like that, you know, just briefly. And then, like, it has made it back like all the way to three fibs. So, yeah, it's definitely performed. Um, uh comparable to say uh it pretty much performed exactly the same as chain link as far as like the number of fibs it's re- gone back up uh, three fibs from the bottom is what link did Zef- um sorry um uh, xrp did the exact same thing and i believe total three which is the the um total altcoin market cap excluding eth and um um excluding eth and bitcoin also did almost the same thing it made it to two and a half fibs up from the bottom so xrp and Chainlink slightly outperformed the total three which is what you'd be following as a reference point you don't follow btc for this for altcoins like non-eth altcoins non-eth non-bitcoin you use total three and you compare your coin and you see how it performed relative to that so what you can do is you can say like okay xrp this is on trading view by the way and you can yeah. use the forward slash, and then you put total three, and then you can like hit enter. And um, it's not really a ticker. It's like um, you actually have to type XRP USDT, and you have to, yeah, and then you hit enter, and it will give you the um, relative performance. So, um, like it outperformed the total three back in. Um, uh, last summer, but it has actually been losing value compared to total three since then. So it actually like uh, dumped in a sense and um, hasn't fully like regained that. But off the bottom, um, it's doing okay, I guess. Um, but yeah, it like so. What that tells you that the fact that like that SEC thing created a pump is that. People are paying attention to it, and if there's some interesting news, it'll probably pump again. But the thing is, um, the people that bought that pump, a lot of the people didn't hold it afterwards. It was no, like it, it, it yeah, went it, straight down it, afterwards, which it doubled in price. So yeah, they just sold it. <laughs> it's just like yeah, two extra it, immediate exit kind of thing is what happened there. Anyway, but yeah, it's like you know, what are people doing with this thing? But yeah, this makes me nervous about some other coins like um, Adam, for example, Polkadot we mentioned. Why do they make me nervous is because like one is like, what is the new narrative for those things? Is it purely utility or what? Like, and then are the teams really doing any kind of um, you know, uh, um, sort of marketing and such? Maybe how many actual projects on Polkadot, like the parachains are people actually using? I find it like, questionable that very many people are using that shit like i don't know i don't know the exact metrics but like you look at actual DeFi users during the bear market on cosmo i'm sorry um cosmos uh polka dot cardano um named the platform and you had a lot of stuff that just wasn't being used like very little volume not a lot happening so it just goes to show that a vast majority of people that buy any of these coins are in it for the pump they're not in it for the tech or 
for the use yeah, case. Ninety-nine percent of crypto, really, isn't it? Like, just, yeah, just deep trying to gamble. Like, yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, a lot of people are not in it for the quote-unquote tech, um, and are not necessarily long-term investors in something. Um, in fact, like a long-term investor in something like Chainlink, like let's say you bought it at five bucks in twenty twenty, right? You know, you wrote it to fifty-two dollars and then back down to five bucks again uh, for the bear market um, of twenty twenty-two, twenty twenty-three, and you would have been pretty dismayed. You're like, "What's going on here?" It pumped, but the only way I could have realized my gains would have been to sell which tells you that the vast majority of the people that are in that market are really in it for the pump and dump. They're not really in it for, um, as an investor. So the bottom of the market though, when, when Chainlink is an example, like the bottom of the market, it had a market cap of like four or 5 billion or something, maybe 3 billion. That's the true mark. That's a true value of that coin. It's a true value of the hodler or the investor. And crypto is only investable during a bear market. If you're investing for long term, you must buy it during a bear market at the very bottom. Yeah. You, you can DCA or whatever, but you really should not be even in it at all during the bull market. Right. Like if you're in, like and this is a common error that happens. A lot of people come in thinking that crypto or stocks and that you can like uh, the big market cap means it's, quote unquote, more stable. But like even large market cap shit drops like 90% plus like chain links a perfect example it goes to 53 goes down to like five right like that's a yeah that's a good 90% yes. drop like, solana. look at solana more than anything that would probably be the best example of it yeah solana was even more aggressive dump because of the the ftx debacle but yeah, yeah. of course yeah definitely yeah. You, you never know what's gonna like I, i'm worried about trx because you just never know because Obviously, a lot of Justin Sun's shit is exchanges now. He owns two, and you said they're yeah, going. What and, happened? And even now, like I've seen, like the hype train for Solana, it's like, um, like when when I ask people what can you do on Solana, they're like, oh, there's some NFTs and there's some usual shit, but there's nothing like. And I guess some narrative stuff like Helium Network moved there, but Helium Network barely did shit to begin with. Um, <laughs> so there's like some, some interesting narratives that are driving like solana as the sort of next eth but like do we need a next eth i don't know like you know is solana going to be the next eth why the only thing that's driving up that the, <coughs> i can't talk for now uh sol's price is bonk because of the trading uh program they've got that's it like because of the hype around bonk and the yeah, minute the hype the, going down good like hype projects that's important if you don't have hype projects and funny tokens and shit to play with on your exchange, why are people going to be there? No, but the bonk is actually a utility meme coin. Yeah, Did yeah. You not seen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You didn't know what's going on. Yeah, enough. it's good. Uh, like what I'm, and it's good. But like, still, does that make? Um, is that going to mean that like Solana, like, is it going to actually beat its prior high market cap? Is it going to then like run from there to be the so-called next Ethereum, like people are claiming? That's it won't a, be the next that's Ethereum. a large question mark. Yeah, like like some no people are arguing that Solana is going to make the next like ETH move and it's go from like 40 billion market cap to like, you know, maybe 200 billion market cap and become like an e a real serious ETH competitor in terms of market cap. Where's the money going to come from? <laughs> exactly. That's a good question. But don't good you question. think that some people look at the coin market cap, for example, and they look at Solana. The first thing they do is compare the price with, of course, Bitcoin and ETH. And you know it's affordable, and it's like the next, the next coin to to buy. It's like the next decision that you could make. So many people are driven by that, don't you think? Oh yeah, for sure. And 
interestingly, like uh, ETH's market cap is quite large now. And like if it doubles, it gets to be, I mean, well, it's, it could easily double, but like even more than that, it's, it gets closer and closer to BTC, relatively speaking. So can Sol, Solana be the next one of those that kind of reaches that level? I suppose it's possible. I, like there's nothing preventing it necessarily from becoming that. But where's the money going to come from? That's that's Chuck. They have to steal it. They have to steal it from ETH and BTC. It's the only way is to capture market gains from other people. That, that, that's it. Unless <laughs> unless we believe the total three and like all of the market caps are going to go up because every cycle brings new users, which is also true yeah. by the way. Yeah, new, new users coming. Uh, I think those are the ones that are going to drive the price of. Yeah, well, of the four hundred trillion dollar like derivatives market or whatever it is, like you know, the one to two to three trillion dollar market caps of these things are not that high. So there's a lot of potential money to flow into crypto still. Well, uh, look at how you uh, posted it the other day. Uh, your mate messaged you about how to use Uniswap. I think that just, that's, that's an evidence right there that people are getting into people new people. Are getting <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm buying Olas and I'm like, I need to use Uniswap. And I'm like, all right. And so it's like, I'm on Coinbase wallet. I'm like, yeah, you could probably use it from there. Just export some USDC there or whatever trading pair it has, and off you uh, go. I, I bet that was an alien conversation for him. He's like, "The fuck? Would you mean export from this wallet? What? What? <laughs> wallet?" Yeah, it took a minute because yeah, he had never actually gotten something off of uh, from a Dex yet, right? So he's hadn't had that. Yeah. Story. So yeah, interesting stuff. Um, so it looks like the the crypto total market cap has grown uh, about sixty percent in the last year. So this is all new users, right? Well, I mean, technically it's down since Terra. It was like three trillion, uh, three point something trillion. Now it's what one point seven trillion. So it's it's still down the uh, overall well, crypto. It's still down from the all time high, but from last well, year, that was last. Year. Oh, okay. Sorry, it wasn't yeah. last year. Well, well, human yeah, beings. Yeah. So remember the, the the market cap doesn't necessarily tell you there's a bunch of new users. The market cap just tells you a lot of cash flowed into it. And then what oftentimes happens is with each new cycle, there's a whole new set of bag holders who are like, oh, I lost money last cycle. I didn't make money or whatever. It's because I didn't do this, this and this. And then they try to their hand at this casino again. It's the same thing like Las Vegas. You know how like, you know, yeah. people go back over and over again. It's the same idea here. It's like human beings are like lemmings. Everyone shows back up eventually. So when people say, oh, this is going to be the last bull market or, the, you know, the people are never coming back or whatever, like. Yeah, they will. Uh, <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I, I'm gonna be completely honest. If I make enough money from this to pay off my mortgage, I will never come back to crypto. Never in my life. Fuck that. Did, did, did you park? It. Did you park enough money in it to pay off your mortgage? Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> it really all depends what comes of the uh, the next. I mean, no, cycle. did you put in enough size to where it's like, okay, you're gonna make that much, or what? What did you do? Uh, let's just say I've put a lot of money in. I've been flipping currencies to make the bags bigger. And yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah. If the companies that are making these coins hit their targets, then I will make my mortgage times 10. If they hit their targets, if they don't hit their targets, well, then yeah. <laughs> well, get to I'll the point where the mortgage gets paid off and sell. 
uh, clear, out, clear out your mortgage and then ride the rest of it, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, I wouldn't even do that. Do you know what I would honestly goddamn do? And it sounds so bad, right? I would kit my house out so it's fully solar. I'd get rid of my boiler and I'd get a gas heat pump. So I'd get an electric heat pump. So that's the electric sword. I'd probably get a water tank with a filtration system so that I never have to pay for fucking water again. I live in England, so there's always fucking rain. <laughs> the one get my thing, you can put it in line with your faucet or whatever. They only cost like a few hundred bucks, by the way. Yeah, but they're not. They're not. Suffers, I've got you, don't a, you don't need a whole house system, or whatever. I'm just pointing it out. No, no, but I would have a whole house system to be off the grid. The, I, I, honest to God, everyone says don't pay your mortgage to buy other properties. I don't want to buy other properties. Like, I want my property to be fully self sufficient, so I never have to fucking pay another penny towards it other than renovations. Now, yeah. that's that's my overall goal. <laughs> like, it's reasonable. There was a time when interest rates were low, and you could go and buy a bunch of other properties and do all this bullshit, but at this point now, but yeah that. no I'm, I'm hoping to god this is the bull run because my mortgage comes up for renewal end of the year and the interest rates in the uk aren't very kind that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> uh, i'll have to, I'll have to pay a lot what's more. the average interest rate you're you're paying in the uk i'm hearing people of my age so i'm 28 uh are getting between eight percent and 20 percent on their mortgages right now not all of them like obviously, you know, it's just the way it is, but they do take your age into consideration in the UK. And if you're a higher risk, they charge you more interest. Hmm. So yeah, that that's that's you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I've got 142,000 left on the mortgage. If I sold it, I could take away over a hundred grand profit easily and just buy a flat somewhere and just, you know, live. But I don't want that. I like my house. So uh it's just a case of yeah, I just I 10% on that increase of what i'm already paying now i'm okay thanks like you know, you know what, <laughs> I don't, I don't. that makes me nervous about this coming so-called bull market is God. that um a lot of people have varying levels of financial distress in the background or have are facing high interest rates or high inflation or whatever it is right financial pressures yeah. so that creates a scenario where it's like oh i would normally wait for 10x but i'm going to wait for only a 3x this time Right. That's a possibility. Oh, I'm just waiting for targets. Like, uh, right. So, so a lot of people around the world may just gamble less and the target uh, should be way lower. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know, you know, because desperation creates desperation. So people might just do some Hail Mary moves and just hope and wait, hope and yeah, wait. And know, but liquidity, as as like, sounds, like liquidity is liquidity. It has to come from somewhere, right? Like that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, well, so I'm talking happy. about moving trillions in market caps and stuff like it has to, it has to Real money has to ultimately emerge, and someone's has to be willing to gamble a substantial portion of their money to really sort of make these kind of gains, right? So, someone's got a house, and they're going to put enough money to, like, you know, grow it to the point where you can pay their mortgage. They have to have that money first, and two, they have to have yeah. that available for investing, not just sitting around. You know, Sefi, like, have you guys ever talked to someone from Argentina? They, 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 these people, they usually tell you that people are much more prone to gambling. Uh -huh. since the since the inflation rates went that high right so it's like i mean this it like incentivizes the people to invest into some dangerous shit because the money devalues that fast you know? yeah it makes so, sense. It makes sense would would be careful with with that thinking you know it's not that clear where all this qt actually leads us because i think <laughs> at one point they will have to print again and then it's just going to be inflation really bad right and it's not too far away that's my guess you know you know, in Latin America, the, the biggest, the country that has most crypto users is, is Argentina, definitely. Even though the population is much smaller than Brazil, 
that is the, the biggest country in terms of population. But Argentinians have suffered so much with the inflation in recent years that they've moved into crypto. But hopefully all waiting for a good bull run. I think we all hope for a good bull run at this point, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's early enough, though. Um, like, if one is going to enter at any kind of size, like, it's early enough to do so that even if we have a dip, further dip here and things drop 50% or whatever it is, like, the probability of, the, of a, a pretty decent run is pretty good. So what do you think? What do you think about Someone's calling me one second. What's that? Hold on. Did you guys hear about Trump's comments on digital coins? No, but it was bullish, wasn't it? From what I heard. Oh, what he said, but I think he said that he was not going to allow uh, the central digital coin to be created in the U.S. I mean, he has to get into power to oh, say that. Okay, so, so like, yeah, uh, he's supporting the crypto. So, yeah, what's the point? I wasn't really. Crypto was a it was a stance against uh, government being able to you know block you from using your money because they don't like your political activities or they don't like other things about you. So it was about restricting government overreach and being able to censor money unilaterally yeah, whatever yeah. you want versus anything in favor of crypto per se. The beauty of Trump though is it looks like he's doing it for the people, but he's doing it. So oh, he can okay. Get so, uh, initially, Trump was pro crypto, so yeah, probably you know. I think it. I think it's 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 actually good for the crypto market, but I'm not sure. I wanted to to hear Savvy's opinion because he's not supporting the centralized digital coin of the U.S. government. So that it's, it's not bad for crypto. It's not. It, it's good for crypto in the sense that people who are pro crypto because they want to have a money that can't be censored and isn't directly under government control, like then not having a CBDC is good for crypto because the CBDC, if it existed, the government would gradually legislate forcing people to use it more and more yeah. to such a point that they weren't allowed any alternative and it would be illegal to do something else. Like it would gradually like slide into the CBDC is all you're allowed to use. And then everybody who uses crypto would be criminalized sort of a thing. So, so it's yeah. killing the CBDC in the crib is, is good for people who want to have freedom for their money and freedom to transact with and privacy uh, without, yeah. without people making judgments or tying economic incentives to the certain way you use your money and so on like that. That's good for people who like the crypto ethos, but yeah. Um, and, and it's good for Bitcoin too, because it keeps it dis decentralized and Trump took office for four years and prevented a CBDC. The moment he leaves office, if somebody from a different political leaning is brought in, they could then try to railroad a CBDC because American politics doesn't have much of a middle ground lately. It just as a pendulum that swings back and forth and swings back and forth until we have like batches of laws on the books that are like drastically different uh, from drastically different political philosophy and but treating different subjects. It's so weird. We have such a hodgepodge of how things are treated um, right now. There's no consistency. Each law kind of stands alone, and so the pendulum goes back and forth and back and forth between right-wing, left-wing, right-wing, left-wing, and it doesn't settle anywhere that people can make any prediction as to, like, how they could or should live their lives, really. There's no, like, American political ethos at this time that characterizes everybody.
What I love about American politics right now is you've got liberals. Uh, you've got a very, very, very extreme set of liberals in right now. And their whole objective on paper yeah, is guys, to bring so everyone together. The thing together. is that like, uh, the, this right, ETF thing mind. basically uh, suppressed the, you know, uh, the freedom of BTC and the cryptocurrency. So the the community, the crypto community basically is the main lead role or responsible for this shit. You know why? Because you know the, there's everything. You can see a rug pull is going on every day. You see uh, there's a, a new thing is rugging people. So, so the government comes with the ETF thing, or and probably in a, in a probably next ten or uh, five or ten years, the cryptocurrency is totally in control of the government, like as a gold. You know. Chaga, what are you saying about what do you love about their their style? Rin, your your voice is popping in and out. By the way, your connection is kind of terrible. It's hard to hear. No, I know what you said. No, I was just saying like how how liberal uh, your your liberal government at the minute, the Biden administration, uh, literally their main objective is to try and be inclusive of everyone. But the way they do things puts up so many walls and creates so many problems between everyone of different opinions. It's it, it's ridiculous. It's like the LGBTQT shit going on right now in America is is insane. You guys have got it bad. Like here, everyone just gets on with it. We don't give a shit. Like you don't you don't get LGBT going. Well, I believe in this. So it's you know versus a straight person. And anyway, we're going up to La La Land here. But like said so the, the like, oh no no we were just talking about so back the, and forth in politics when it comes so to issue with, uh, no all all the question was is like what did. Trump say and really all he said yeah. was he's not a fan of CBDC because he understands kind of like that there's some tyrannical aspects to it. My flip side to that would be is that while I don't like them, the reality is is that like from a technology perspective, remember that um, the reason why the dollar is useful is because it's useful everywhere. And in order to stay relevant, you have to maintain that velocity of money. And if other people come along, create CBDCs that have higher monetary velocity, easier transmissions, et cetera. For example, you won't need XRP when you have a CRB, CBDCs in the, in the end, technically speaking, right? You could just Neither USDT transfer, or, or... You could just transfer straight. So the thing is like, if you go the CBDC, if you don't create a CBDC, then you're going to be behind countries that do. And that creates... Um, a problem. It's the same as the AI situation. You're basically in a scenario where it keeps getting bigger and bigger and more and more tyrannical because it's an arms race that you can't not participate in because not participating is losing. And if you participate, you wind up with all the problems that we have now. Like, so for example, another technological example of this would be like the surveillance state, right? Or nuclear weapons or whatever. Like, if you don't keep up, you're not winning in the arms race, and then you become subjugated anyway. So human beings are really good at using technology to for tyrannical ends, but there's there's somewhat of an inevitability to it. Exceptions to that would be like mines, landmines, um, uh, and there's still like people using landmines. I think against Geneva Convention sometimes, but you know there's like a international law that nobody should use landmines or whatever, and then like. You know, that way people don't get their legs blown off or something. It's okay to kill someone. It's not okay to chop off their legs, apparently. Um, but uh, you get the picture. Like, the bottom line is the, um, um, like, humans have to eventually usually have the pain of losing a bunch of legs. 
CBDCs, AI, these are just examples. And then what will happen is, is that once people have learned these lessons, um, you know, like <laughs> then they'll have regulations to say, oh no, this is really bad for humanity. We need to backtrack these things. But by then the problem is that the, the surveillance the state, the whatever state, those are already implemented and they're very hard to get rid of. Who do you think would have the custody of those CBDCs? The banks, U.S. banks? The custody, does it mean like who programs the money? Yeah, I mean, who has the ownership of the money? Yeah, you're talking about who programs the money, essentially, because the, 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 you're talking about like crypto, you're talking about programmable money, essentially, right? So you can, pro the, whoever controls the keys or the, the, is able to program the money is really what you're saying. Um, right now, like that's some, like, is people at the treasury that, you know, like make plans of what gets what gets printed and what doesn't and whatever, right? But it it's but as far as um who is that going to be in the you know in the future, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Because we were speaking about is that announcement of Trump is it good for the crypto community or is it is it bad? Because for example, what would happen with the stable coins? People would move in favor of having their their own CBDC in their local country. Well, once, once you have CBDC dollars, you wouldn't need the stable coins. In fact, you probably wouldn't want them. And the reason is because like the native US dollar you can place in a money market and get five, you know, whatever the going yield rate is normally, right? Whereas in CBDC, whereas in, um, you know, having to have a third party like Circle or USDT or someone else that you have to trust is much more questionable. And also, when you get paid at work, you're not getting paid at work in Tether. You're not getting paid at work in Circle. You would be paid at work in the CBDC of America or whatever, right? So the, the general public is going to use this thing immediately if it gets released because that's how they're going to wind up getting paid, right? So like, um, and this is true, like in China, it'll slowly happen or whatever. So people are experimenting with it right now. It hasn't gone full scale because you have gigantic ecosystems in every country that already have their various currencies. Uh, modifying to some new system is quite difficult. Um, and a whole lot of businesses and whatever have to change infrastructure, of course, right? So, um, but it won't take as long as you think because companies like Square and, you know, Shopify, whoever, um, these different uh, uh, payment rails, like, um paypal yeah not paypal yeah paypal but there's another one um the other big one with an s i forget anyway um point is like these these different um these these different rails um exist for like bringing electronic money to fruition faster so any cbdc that emerges it wouldn't take long for that to have penetration the other thing too is governments have a lot of money at their disposal in the sense that they could just create all the black boxes necessary for your business and say to enhance adoption we're going to stimulate adoption of this thing by having this thing um you know like we're going to sell we, we'll hand out the boxes for free to use it to begin with or whatever or they'll subsidize existing payment rails to add the infrastructure to add a cbdc or however they're going to do it so it won't take long because once people are being like if the government does it if you're being paid in the cbdc all the payment rails operators are going to want that money to go through their system. And so obviously they're going to um, implement that pretty quickly. So yeah, the point about like, well, what if, what happens if uh, someone pro CBDC arrives 
it's easy for Trump to say now that like, hey, we're not I'm not going to support a CBDC while I'm, I'm president because it's only four years. And the reality is that CBDC tech is not actually ready for prime time anyway right now. But um, at some point in the future, when that tech becomes prime time, uh, the privacy component is sort of built into the thing and whatever, all the different safeguards. And like you said, who holds the keys? The goddamn thing. Yeah. The problem with crypto is it's like centralized key ownership and there's no way to get around that shit. So and there's no way like the government's going to run on a public ledger as far as I know. Um, I think it's, but- it's going to be inevitable at some point in time because it's like the evolution of traditional cash. Yeah. And, and you know, remember, uh, the government does not need a blockchain. Remember this, like it doesn't necessarily need blockchain to accomplish this. It can do like you have digital money that you use in your credit card and your bank and all this, whatever, all the time. As far as you're concerned, your money is just some digits on a screen, right? It's not actually like you're not physically holding it. Most of you are not like cashing out bank at the bank. And, and those numbers on a screen, yeah, they, you know, it goes from the bank to your credit card, your credit card to whatever shit you purchase. But at no time are you actually in ownership of that money. It's just digital like numbers on screen. And um, with a blockchain thing, with some, more of a self-custody thing, that's probably not the way the way the CBDC goes. The CBDC would probably be numbers on a screen run by a central organization, i.e. the government, on a lot of different servers. And they'll have some different confirmations and things to prove that you know the money's real and like it's settled properly and everything. And it'll probably go faster than what they use now with Swift and all that shit. But what it's not going to be is necessarily like a unscalable blockchain or some shit, right? Like there's not a reason to do that on chain. And that's where like Chainlink CCIP comes in, because let's say you had a blockchain world and you had blockchain and tokenized assets in that world, but then you also had a centralized world of currencies, then you could basically just simply import that currency in via the CCIP protocol, and then it becomes blockchain native, uh, not blockchain native, but like, um, you know, like cash can, that's issued by a, a government can become a, a blockchain dollar so to speak similar how similarly to how circle does it or tether does it so you would have cbdc's and then you'd have the version of the cbdc that runs on your blockchain or whatever and for that matter all the blockchains we have now or most of them might be rendered largely obsolete which is basically chainlink's impression their sense is that like all of these things are purely temporary nobody's going to run the world on 99 of these um blockchain technologies they're just whatever they're not that Seth, great. I have to say this is not very constructive and you're not going to pump my bags with that. Stuff. Not pumping my bags with yeah, of course. <laughs> so By but way, anyway. You mentioned Circle. Uh I've seen Nicolas Flamel speaking about it all the time, but I I, I I don't know anything about it. Can you tell us about Circle? Circle oh no, you're talking about Circle, some coin that he's talking about. I'm yeah. talking about Circle the Corporation. Two different things. Oh, you know, Circle makes USDC, right? That's what I'm talking about. USDC, um, like like in Coinbase. Yeah, exactly. That's Wait, Circle Coinbase Corporation. That's Coinbase. what USDC stands for. It's USDC, USD Circle. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which yeah, is owned right. by Coinbase, right? Uh, Circle is not owned by Coinbase, but they they cooperate them with them very deeply, which is why you get like one to one remittance on Coinbase for. Um, like there's no peg or anything. You automatically always get $1 for $1 with circle on Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, there's some, in- yeah, there's some interesting, uh, uh, dynamics there. 
Uh, do you know anything about Circle, the one that Nicholas talks about? I have not looked at that at all. No. Um, is it interesting or? I don't know. I mean, he keeps speaking about it all day. I, I think it's below 20 million market cap. But I'm not sure if it's a meme coin or if it has any any value or what. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, Nicholas is good good at shilling things. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, I, I told him you should get into Zephyr when it first came in. He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, what happened to Flamel is he got wrecked because, like, he took all his money from the from when Terra uh, like so he sold Terra like Luna at the top so he did really well with his Luna sale. Um, he sold it like hundred dollars or something, and then he went and he, he's like, "I'm going to go diversify." So what did he do? He went and bought like Galaxy Digital and Coinbase stock, and you know what those things did? They de- took a nosedive. So he's been shilling Galaxy Digital and Coinbase, for which he has no shill power for because they're not their market caps are too big, obviously. And he's like, oh, you should consider getting, you know, like you know, Coinbase because he's a bag holder from the top. So he actually lost, he dropped as much on his Coinbase shares and his Galaxy Digital shares as most people did generally, although Coinbase has like recovered quite a bit since then. So, yeah, hopefully he's doing well. But like, yeah, that's what happened to him. And so I, I don't know what the circle thing is. I didn't look into it. I probably should have because everything he pumps usually goes up. So. Um, there is that, but at the same time, that's sort of true. But like at the time he had a bunch of Luna crowd behind him pumping, you know, buying the things. I don't know how many people follow him now at this point. I'm not sure. Have you seen a lot of engagement on his tweets with circle? Uh, Are people like retweeting it and liking it? Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of retweets going on and a lot of conversation around, around circle, but it, it doesn't look too serious. For me, I mean, need to investigate more. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like again, it's a low market cap thing, but I think it's already pumped. Is it already go to 100 million market cap or no? I think it's below below 20 million right now. Okay, okay, yeah. It really just depends on you know, like, I mean, it just really depends on um, what the project is and whatever, right? I mean, there's. There's not even the information about market cap in, in CoinGecko, so I don't know where to get the market cap, but or CoinMarketCap.com doesn't doesn't list it. Oh, it doesn't even have the market cap yet, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, so those are very small. With with like meme coins and pump coins, like it makes more sense when it's like a pretty much useless coin because like. You know, you don't want people doing too much research. You just want people to ape into things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if that makes sense, right? So, I don't know. Yeah, you want people to just jump in and just buy it. Yeah. Did you guys speak about Seth, Seth earlier? Yeah, we did. We covered in, a, in quite detail the price action today for Zephyr. Um. Yeah, you you might want to if you didn't hear yeah. that you might want to hear it. Uh, I don't I don't know if I want to do it all again. No, no, I guess no, we no. we could I, because it's all a new new audience right now. But if people no, want to hear, I, like, I, I wanted to ask you maybe, uh, have you heard any of the critics of Seth uh, and their arguments? I I think I read some guy arguing in one of your tweets 
about that it was kind of strange, the hash rate and stuff like that? Nah, it's just newbies that don't know anything. Yeah, the, the problem is there's very few people in crypto that can actually put in a cohesive argument about anything. Um, especially with like, you know, so yeah, there, I can give you the list of FUD for, for Zephyr if that's what you want, but like, um, yeah, it, but yeah, none of that is necessarily what, what people ask is really not, it's two different things. Like the, the thing people want to know is will number go up, right? That's what they really want to know. And is it a good investment and stuff? And every coin has various risks and things. And, um, and, um, you know, I, I covered a lot of those market dynamics this morning as far as like why price is going down, um, what kind of things that, you know, the development team might be doing in terms of printing ZSD in order to like seed liquidity in places and things. And um, uh, like, yeah, why would the, the miner, why would the hash rate go up? It's because there's these large pools of miners and they will move, they will mine whatever's profitable at that moment. There's no guarantee that they will mine your particular coin because they love your coin. They will actually mine your coin because they feel like the price is high and they can make more money right now from it, right? And they might sell the coin immediately, right? Um, not all the miners are going to hold long-term. So what proportion of the miners are in it to sell it immediately and what proportion are actually going to hold the coin from a speculative perspective? That's going to vary dramatically, right? Um, you could make this argument for all of the proof-of-work coins. like. Why, why did Casper go to $3 billion? You know, you can make the same argument. Well, the miners showed up. They were using, like, these are Bitcoin miners that were maybe making, using their old devices or something and, like, starting up a bunch of mining. You had a gigantic hash rate. You know, why didn't the miners just sell and dump the price, right? Like, well, because the miners felt like holding. That's why they felt strongly about the project, that they, the price was going to go up, right? So miners become speculators just like everybody else. Um, so yeah, anytime you're talking about a mined coin, um, you have like new supply coming to the market. So Zephyr, for example, when I bought this in November, it was like 2.5 million circulating. And now we're at what, 2.9. So that's a fair number of coins, right? Like, you know, 400,000 coins or, you know, whatever that was, um, has entered the market since the last time we were at this level, right? So does that create some sell pressure on the way up? Sure. Does that mean the coin can't moon? Not necessarily, right? Because like early proof of work coins gain a lot of momentum. And this is why like most proof of work coins tend to sort of like settle in at like one to $3 billion market cap. So I think because we're relatively early at 50 million market cap and below, I think there's just a lot of growth room um, to mitigate the risk that like, take for example, if you were to buy um oh i don't know um you know th there are proof of work coins that don't go anywhere let's put it that way um there's some small ones that don't get popular for work do, do you think that these miners i mean monero's out for a while now right and i guess mm -hmm. that these miners have some kind of a, let's say a recipe and how much to sell and how much to hold against their investment i think there are some dedicated people there that figured it out more or less, you know, and we just see this playing out because it's not something particularly new when it comes to this random X. A lot of, a lot of industrial scale miners, they're not speculating a lot on the coin price. And the reason they're not is because their computer is becoming obsolete while we're talking and they know that they need to be profitable now. 
and they need they need to know that they're going to be that hardware that they bought is going to be paid for the electricity is going to be paid for and a lot of the mining cost calculators that you see do not include the price of the actual computer that you're using so if you spend a thousand dollars on the computer then you should assume that like two fifty dollars per year of depreciation or if you do it by the u.s standard it's like five-year depreciation you would say $200 per year, and then per month, that would be like $17 of depreciation of the computer itself. So um, you, would, you would include all of that in the calculation of profitability. It's not linear, right? I mean, a computer, what, what do you do with, with the regular depreciation? It's like five or six years in the U.S.? What do you, what do you guys do for computers? You could depreciate it all in one year from a tax perspective, but generally when people think of depreciation of tech, they're talking about a five-year scale. Yeah. Um, so if you're just trying to calculate for yourself, how, you could go by how long this computer is going to last, right? Like if you say in five years, is this computer going to be useful to me anymore? If the answer is no, then it's depreciated to zero. If the yeah. answer is yes, like someone's going to buy this thing from me for, I bought it for $500 and someone will probably buy it for me from a, for a hundred. Okay. Well, your depreciation is 80%. So you can calculate some of those kinds of things and sort of decide. But the, my point in all this is miners are going to want to pay their expenses now. If you're going to be putting in 20 miners or 100 miners and you're living off the money that comes from this thing, you can't fully rely upon just the token price appreciation. Yeah, now, on the other a, hand, they're going to look at charts like you and me. That can shit on retail, right? <laughs> they're going to look at charts, sense. though, just like you and me. If the price to mine Litecoin is too low, you know, um, and that person has not paid off their computer, or especially if they borrowed money to invest in um, their mining farm, they're going to need to pay this off and interest. So um, depending on the specific financial situation of the miner, some will say, hey, I've, I've paid for this computer. It's, I've had this computer for four years. It's been running Monero or whatever. And now I'm going to mine some Zeph with it because it's priced higher. They're just going to move it over. So older machines also tend to get used um, on newer projects with similar hashing algorithms um but just because you know now you can repurpose those machines to do something with them i think that's yeah. probably why like casper's hash rate did well there's just one difference between these ftpas and 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 um like let's say bitcoin mining right and uh, yeah asics and, and stuff yeah and our gpu miners here because it's it's not just it's it's not the same metrics, right? There's not so much new CPU power coming out like on these Bitcoin miners. Their stuff is old within twelve yes. months, right? They depreciate and, more aggressively, and they also yes. like so that that may be why Caspa did well is partly because there's a bunch of ASICs sitting around, and yeah. people needed something to do with them, and um, so like it makes sense for the proof of work community to rally around some coin that everyone can pump, so that they can find new retail users and they. Can, have a mining career like <laughs> it's like um so yeah i think it was like it's a mixture of like being at the right place at the right time and then having the right team and having the right kind of yeah, shillability and, and everything something crazy about the, the this this proof of work thing right the difficulty is a real thing so there's real electricity put in there and effort and it's something yeah. that you can't just deny right it's it's a mathematical proof that people are mining if it, is it worth that is it really does it make sense? It doesn't really matter, but it's something you can hang out like a sign and say, hey, look, there's a lot of people mining that, right? So it must be worth something. It's kind of silly to me, but it works. Obviously. Yeah, but, and actually, you can, you can hear the proof of work miners. They always argue that it's 100 times more secure and, and better 
for many reasons over over proof of of work. Over proof of stake. Gonna, yeah, yeah, proof of stake. Proof. You get some validator centralization. Like in theory, uh, it's like a government could shut it down easier. Yeah. My argument is the blockchain might be, but not the price of the bloody token. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. The, so the unfortunately, the thing is that regardless of how secure it is, it doesn't automatically mean new buyers are going to come to buy the coin. That's that's a true reality. And so, um, yeah, I mean, just look at the charts for any coin, like a Litecoin. Um, um, uh, look at uh, XMR, Monero, or any of these other charts, like. The good thing is they put in higher lows. Um, I'm not sure how uh, profitable mining those are at those lows. Um, but usually the cost to mine does put in a low for the coin because here's the thing. A new miner is going to come online. Um, is it cheaper to buy a Litecoin or is it cheap, cheaper to mine one Litecoin? If the answer is it's dramatically cheaper to buy one Litecoin, why the hell would you mine it then? What will be what's your purpose unless you already have the device and that's a possibility there's a lot of devices laying around and they have to be used for something so maybe that's why um yeah so i don't know did did ethereum finally move from proof of work to proof of stake that was their like their big goal yeah, ethereum is proof of stake yes. yes yeah they moved a while back and did did it really change anything is it faster is it better is it cheaper um yeah it's faster um is it cheaper uh not really absolutely no they are not cheaper now we have now during like full bull market like is it cheaper maybe compared to um compared to when it was proof of work but this is why all the roll-ups showed up right um matic and arbitrum optimism all these things the these layer two showed up because um to try to improve like scalability but funny thing is each of those individual chains or, or systems are not particularly scalable either and some of those are slowing down during high traffic as well so infinite parachains for scalability appears to be the issue here and this is why Chainlink ccip is so bullish because if the reality is that chains are limited in their capabilities as far as like speed um, then you'd need a, a, a like highly secure systems that aren't very fast to be able to transact and move coin from one chain to the other because people are going to use lots and lots of chains to fragment and then the liquidity gets fragmented. So to solve the liquidity fragmentation, you can deploy a chain that is CCP native, and then that means anybody on any of the chains can use your coin, and then simultaneously you can create. Um, so that's where the Chainlink build program comes in. So while Chainlink is not actually a blockchain, you can actually build using the CCIP architecture, use Chainlink as a gas token, and you can transact in any of the chains that Chainlink connects, which is very, very powerful. And this makes it even more, diff more of a thing where it's like, if more of the transactions happen via CCIP, and they're the ones making the money, how does ETH make the money? Because even less transactions will actually be on layer one ETH. Um, you know, because layer twos are already taking some of that thunder. And then cross-chain protocols that have like these capabilities take even more of that um you know, take out take over even more of the actual total transactions, which is very interesting. You can so, see there is a you in ETH ecosystem I paid like ten dollar fees 
for a simple transaction for Ethereum layer two to layer one. And so this is impossible for, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a cryptocurrency, it's an international, you know? So $10 is a big amount in India. It's kind of very big. So $10 means one, my one day salary. So you can get the, so you can get the data. So do, do you think this is going to survive by this kind of high fees or why people well, that's, still willing? That's, so, that's why Solana appears to have become popular because yeah. it's fast and the fees are low. But the problem with Solana is the fees are so low that the chain doesn't actually technically make any money. They have to rely on the price of Solana going up in value for the team to do well. So most yeah, of the chains don't think. make enough revenue and fees. And if you don't have enough revenue, it's like going to a, if you, like, if you think short term, that's fine. But long term, if you go to a movie theater and they, it's free, can that movie theater survive? No, right? Like, are they going to keep making movies? Are they going to keep putting, right? So someone has to make money somewhere at the end of all this. Yeah, so, but you know, it's, it's, it's unfair, you know, for a simple transactions where you have to pay like zero point zero one dollar and where in this eat you can see there is a large project and investment coming they are building on the vms and other things but i still don't get the idea when you're going to pay have to pay like 10 or 5 dollar for layer 2 to layer 1 transactions or say central exchanges to dex this type of transaction you have to pay 5 dollar 10 dollars and still projects are building on the chain where you can see the cosmos hardly you have to pay 0.01 usd so it's like thousand x better thousand x higher fees you have to pay when you are using ethereum so mm -hmm. i don't get this logic you know why developers still building on ethereum uh because of its security and liquidity so most of the money is on ethereum so people like to build there because you have to have like a bunch of users that are already ready to spend money, right? So it's easier to attract liquidity if you're on Ethereum. That's the reason why people do it. The other reason is because people that are going to like show up and spend $10 is not who they're looking for. They're looking for the people that are going to spend a million dollars. And those people don't care about the gas fees. That's the other reason. That's the mm -hmm. other factor. Right? It's like, imagine, imagine a luxury car buyer. Does a luxury car buyer worry about the cost of gasoline? Not really, right? Absolutely not. And, and also, and also it's they... not completely true. They can complain and bitch about it quite badly. You know? No, they can but bitch they about care. it, but like you're talking, <laughs> but you're not talking about the the gigawatts. Yeah, not not the people that those protocols want to attract. Like, yeah, yeah. you want lots of small yeah. users as well, but you I'm want just, large. I'm just joking. You know? Yeah. It also doesn't doesn't have much influence in, in the price action. It's the same thing about uh, we were speaking about proof of work versus proof of stake. If when Ethereum switched from one to the other, it was supposed to like exponentially grow in price, and uh -huh. basically nothing happened. So it looks like end users don't care about this stuff. Well, first of all, price action has way more to do with sort of like bull and bear market dynamics than it has to do with any kind of technological development. So tokenomics and this and that are just a meme uh, that bolsters price action during a bull market, but never, ever try to look at price action in a crypto and assume it has anything, anything to do with the underlying tech. It rarely, if ever, does. So think about this, like um, Adam reduced its inflation rate from like max inflation from 20% to 
and um, price was sort of going up during that time in the altcoin space. You could easily assume that like, oh, the price of Atom went up because, oh, look, it went up by 10% or 20% because we initiated this model and people like it. And eh, maybe, yes, to the extent that like, you know, people tweet about it and they're like, oh, some people might like this idea and, and they might buy some Atom or whatever. But the reality is it has a, the mimetic effect has a much more effect than the actual tokenomic change that you might yeah. think is the reason for all of this. And, and people tend to forget about that shit too. And, and really yeah. new buyers, when they pop on Coinbase, whatever, they don't know what the hell is what. Like, for example, I have some optimism in my wallet. I, don't, I know fucking anything about, fuck all about optimism token or whatever. I just bought a little bit just because it looked like it might have a breakout or whatever. And I held it um, because ETH was going up and it'll probably be a leverage play on ETH. That's it. That was my thesis. I have no idea the details of what it does or doesn't do. And something could happen and optimism go up, up some news or whatever. I wouldn't even know, but like, look at how I played it. I just bought it and I don't even know. Right. So a lot of, a lot of the things yeah. are like that, you know, like not everyone's going to know all these details about whatever. So. I, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, so then what, what or who has the biggest influence in price action? Is it, it's still the, Bitcoin, right? Yeah. I mean the, the biggest, like, yeah. So, when liquidity returns to the market generally, it just shows up all at once. Um, ETH and BTC are sort of the biggest, um, like, sort of safe bets in town, so to speak. So people tend to sort of pour money into that over time. Um, and then other new safe bet type things are going to show up. Like, I think Chainlink is a safe bet now and whatever. Um, Chugs thinks um, XRP is a safe bet, whatever it is, right? So these things get bigger and bigger over time, and they bring in some of the liquidity. And this last season, last year, some of the new things actually pumped the hardest um, or things with very smaller market caps. Um, so like, did I have, did I think that Injective was going to be the big runner this season? I had no idea. Did I know that, um, you know, like Fetch AI would post these ridiculous gains off the bottom? I didn't know that. Did I have, I even owned Akash for the last few years. Did I think that was going to do this much of a run? First of all, I didn't know it was going to dump as much as it did. That's one thing. And then, then, then from the bottom, I didn't buy the exact bottom on that one. I should have. I could have easily like 10x the amount of tokens I had for you know a tenth of the price, but I yeah. didn't. And I just kind of left it there and didn't pay attention. And you know, did I know that like AI was going to show up in the open AI narrative and all that shit? And then like GPU thing, and then I don't know. And then Akash went up, right? So a lot of stuff that went up, it, it's like. Would I have like predicted that those were going to be the big ones that would have made it this season? Not exactly. And that's, that's always a thing every season. It's hard to tell. The two that I thought were going to do well, like off the bat, like I bought Say Network and Celestia because I knew that there was a lot of buzz building up about them like uh, the last couple of years in the bear market. And I knew that Say offered like higher speed transactions on Cosmos chain. And then I knew that Celestia was creating a whole new, you know, data availability layer system of whatever. And I don't know all the different things it does, but the point is like it does unique things. And um and even though these had like a lot of VC backing and whatever, I bought both of them pretty early. Like they, they showed up on Coinbase really early and I bought them really early. I have two or three X my bags on those. And then I dumped them into um those are some of the money I spent on Zephyr basically when it when it came out or whatever. Um I noticed in November. So some of these things like, yeah, like, could you predict them? Maybe. But there's a lot of the stuff, it's like so hard to tell what's going to go up and what's not. 
And then you have the occasional things that are like really, really undervalued by the market. But that's good because like if you can find that alpha that, wow, there's something really amazing here. I think like the hidden gem on the high market caps this season um, in the old coins and coins that have been around for a while is clearly chain link in this way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, like very few people know what the fuck it does or have any clue why it would be beneficial, which can be good early on because that means you can get in kind of early, right? Like if everyone knows about it, it's already late. Um, And uh, it's all price. Injective. Yeah, injective. I don't really know what the bull case for injective is, honestly. Um, it's a Cosmos chain. I know that. I don't believe, I don't know the, what kind of special modifications they made. I haven't talked to the founder of injective yet. Um, I'll try to catch up with him at some point. But, um, no, like, yeah, like, I, I usually like the founder to shill the chain to me. I'm like, you tell me what the fuck this does and why, yeah. why, why you're special. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think that, I mean, um, Someone that definitely has influence on price action is is Elon Musk as an individual. Yeah, he, he did was last season, sure. and Bitcoin, right? I I don't think there's anybody else in the planet except from Elon that still has influence on price action just with a tweet or with a yeah, comment. Yeah, 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 super powerful. Yeah, his tweets got to a lot of people and people ape into whatever he says immediately. And that's not not a good the good thing, you know. <laughs> this is not a good thing. This thing is really bad. It's for fine. The I, I tend to disagree with you. I, I've come to terms with this. I'm like, look, if you have someone pumping your bags, it's better than nobody pumping your bags. Um, if someone is bringing attention to the crypto space, it's better than nobody bringing attention to the crypto. So attention is very, very expensive, and I've come to like grips with this. Like, I used to be kind of like more anti-meme coin, anti whatever. At this point, I look at it like from a realist perspective. Every participant in the market, every human being involved, every technological innovation, everything is just one gigantic ecosystem of shit. And like, there is no good and bad in my view. I think even the like, even the people that rug pull everybody, they have a role. Even the people, the scammers have a role. Um, criminals have a role. Like everybody's in the ecosystem somewhere doing something. It's your responsibility to navigate that just the same way you'd navigate the ocean. If you go on the ocean, it's not a safe thing. There's sharks in the water. You could die of hypothermia. If you don't have food and you're stuck on a boat, you're probably going to die of starvation. Uh, you could have a hurricane hit you and you die. Like that's what a ecosystem looks like. It looks like a very, very like vicious place where survival of the fittest is the key. And what things like SEC do is actually they um, or Securities and Exchange Commission. On the one hand, what they do is they like create an environment where more capital is likely to flow in because they feel that the, uh, retail is protected from scammers. On the other hand, what it does is it makes a very fragile ecosystem where a bunch of people are putting money into shit that they have no idea what they, those stocks do. But at the same time, they're like, oh, well, my, my retirement portfolio puts the money in those stocks. Or um, they put them in and then like, so what happens in the stock market now is you get gigantic bubbles because everybody puts their money in because everyone else is told everyone else that they're supposed to. So what do you get is you get gigantic crashes. Um, so it's almost better for like, I don't know, to some degree that like these things aren't regulated and it's pure survival of the fittest. Yeah, there's gonna be some crime and shenanigans in between, but at the same time, it's, it becomes a, uh, what's known as a um, anti-fragile system. 
Whereas what we have instead in the finance sector is like a lot of fragile shit. So a lot of stuff in finance is packaged as safe, especially in the stock market where it's really not very safe. Um, like even, even student loans and things like this, a lot of stuff is positive, is really safe, but like the average person doesn't understand what they're getting into with a student loan, for example, that can be very, very expensive. You pay a lot of money over a very long time and people, say, oh, the, the payments are only $300 or $400. I'll make that money when I go work or whatever. And then it turns out that um, it sucks on their livelihood for the rest of eternity. Um, and they don't realize how much they're, they're get, getting into in terms of trouble. So I think like uh, stocks and crypto, everything's like this. And I think yes. while it's unregulated, you have more pumpamentals, like you have way more price action that can happen, but also because international, it can't be fully regulated. Um, people can start coins anywhere they want and they can, people will find their way to those coins. But you know, if you see, see observe these things carefully, so, so you, you can get the idea. If one person can pump your back, that's been one person can dump your back also. So yeah, of if Elon Musk, Elon Musk is going to take your back to the moon, you, it can crash, you know, he can yeah. crash your back. All but as long as you understand that, you can play the market, right? Like if you don't understand it, you're going to get wrecked. That's why I say the job of the newbie is to get wrecked over and over again until they learn. And, and by the way, <clears throat> I think, I mean, Musk has been pretty quiet about crypto in, in recent months or years. Some, some people actually say that some government entity or whatever kind of kind of shut him down with in respect to tweeting about this because his impact was so big that it really influences the price. So a lot of people earn money or lose money during his comments. Yeah, but it's yeah. also a risk for Tesla stock, by the way. If you own Tesla yeah. stock and Elon Musk dies, that shit is going to drop by like 70%. Mark my words. Why? Because its price to earnings ratio is like 70. Um, so it's overvalued to begin with. And a lot of it's on Elon Musk memes. So it's like, do people believe that the company will do as well without him? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But we do know one thing. Uh, Apple stock dropped like 45 or 50% when, when Steve Jobs died, just on pure the fear that like Apple's not going to do well. And so you'll get a yes. gigantic market correction, especially if the stock's price is high. So if BTC's high, you know, like price is really high, then a little bit of negative news will cause a big drop. Same thing. If BTC's price is really low, a little bit of positive news will, will send it really high. So breaking out of bottoms and tops, news events tend to have a greater outsized effect. Mid-market, it's not as much of an effect, I would say. Yes. If, if one person become larger than the entity, that, that is a risk for every kind of institution. Yeah, you can call it founder risk, you can call it influencer risk, or you can call it, um, it's, it's a type of centralization risk. It'd be like if Satoshi Nakamoto showed up next week, yeah. um, Bitcoin's price is probably going to dump a lot. It's like, hey, I'm Satoshi, and he signs his wallet or whatever, like, you know, the, coin, <laughs> the Bitcoin's price will drop a lot just from that alone. Because um, the, like, the narrative would be broken, right? Oh, this thing is like decentralized. You, you know what's my Satoshi worst nightmare? died or disappeared or whatever. Steffi, you know what's my worst nightmare? If mm. Jamie Dimon said I was Satoshi, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't think he is. Yes, this is a possibility. No? The Chainlink founder is a Satoshi Nakamura is a really good possibility. Uh, what's that, yeah, but, Sergey Navarov? Well, he, like, I don't think so. 
uh, Sergey's work is so different than what uh, what Bitcoin's done, and also Sergey like explicitly admits that he's not a uh, he's not Satoshi, and his language doesn't sound like Satoshi either. By the way, people have done language analysis on Satoshi, and uh, that has not resulted in a like clear defined person that exists today that you can compare with. So you can use it even today, like you can use AI and run through all of Satoshi's shit. And try to have it compared to someone in the real world and see who it comes up with. Yes, you know, I was going back to the the point of decentralized guru mm-hmm. speaking about when someone has so much power and that can, he can just say a few words and then completely change the dynamic of the markets. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I was I was remembering a few years ago. Do you guys remember the the founder and CEO of Alibaba? This guy Jack Ma in China. Yeah, he was. Yeah really outspoken and he kind of started to to portray I, I as a u.s way when it comes to founders is it's good until it's not good <laughs> like yeah you know until the founder has some affair and uh or does some crime and um gets arrested for something or whatever so founder risks it's just like yeah all of the above it's good until it's not what will happen is if the 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 founder is pumping your bag, you'll be like, oh yeah, awesome, Steve Jobs, whatever. And then if the founder is not pumping your bag, it's going to be a source of FUD. So for example, yeah. Steve Jobs dying was a source of FUD causing Apple cro- price to crash. Um, so it depends on yes. your viewpoint on it. If you're a short seller or you like market volatility, you'll argue that you want all that shit to happen. If you're someone who's like an investor and you, and, and you, want, you don't want to see your portfolio cut in you know, half one day, you have a different perspective on this, right? Yeah. So and market participants all have Baba. different. Remember, all market participants all have different reasons for being in the market. Some people have a long position, you know, ten x long, and they want Elon Musk to pump their bag, right? Because they're going to make a lot of money if that happens. So you can bet right now. I would bet you anything. There are people that have like ten x long positions in Dogecoin, waiting for Elon Musk to say something about that Doge One satellite launch. And then yeah. you'll see that, like, it'll pump, they'll exit, it'll dump, and, um, you know, like, they'll walk away with a lot of money. Because remember, it only takes one mention from him of that, that rocket launch thing, and yeah. your long position is going to pump, right? So, you know, I bought a spot position, but I didn't buy a leverage position, but you can imagine people are doing that. So... Anyway, but yeah, like it, so all this founder risk and like fundamentals, it all depends like what stage in the game you're at. Um, in the beginning, if you don't have a founder and if you don't have like mm-hmm. a face of the business, like a company or like some doxed group, then what happens? People say, oh, like this, you know, we don't know who these developers are. What if they're going to rug pull us? What if they're going to do X, Y, and Z? And yeah. what if they're going to run away with our money? Okay, sure. That's a legitimate argument that could that could actually happen. And then you have like on the other side of the argument is well, when the system gets really big, you know, let's say it's a hundred billion dollar market cap, you're like, oh, I wish these founders would go away because if something happened to one of them, the price of my coin is going to dump. If Vitalik gets killed for some reason, I'm just giving him no nobody go kill Vitalik. I'm just pointing out like something happens, someone attacks him for some reason. You don't think it's going to be negative on the price of ETH? Probably it will be. Yeah, sure. You know, not not because he's the primary developer, but just because like people are, people are going to gamble the news and they're going to short the thing just for fun, right? Like they're going to do this. 
if you're just a side, if you're waiting to cash out your ETH because you're about to pay the mortgage on your house and this happened at that moment, you're pissed off, right? <laughs> if you're a long-term investor, you're like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to buy the dip. You know, it might be a plus side. So every price movement down or up benefits some people and harms some people at any end. Also, like the time factor matters too. If some things benefit you short term, um, but maybe harmful long term. Some things may be harmful short term, but be beneficial long term. So, but do you know, for example, in the in the stock market, in the U.S. stock market, I think there is certain rules that regulate. Uh, I don't know if it's shilling is the word, but there's some like securities fraud. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. no, there's rules regarding what you can say and what you cannot say about a stock. Right. So if you are the founder of Tesla and you say, oh, we're going to have like full self-driving cars by next year. Um, if you told only seven people and those people went and bought the stock, that would be stock. That'd be insider trading. So one thing is like when you pr pronounce an announcement, A, that should be said to everybody at one time. And B, it should be factually true. So where Elon got in trouble was that time where he said, You know, um, he said, "Okay, I put a bid in to buy X or Twitter at the time, and um, he got in trouble because he said, "Oh, I have the money secured to from lenders to buy out this thing," and then he had some amount that he said he was going to pay for it, and then he says, "Oh no, I want to pay less because he created something," and you know, there was a bunch of shenanigans that were going on. But like his claim that there were people backing him to buy in cash this um thing was not entirely true at that moment so he got fined i believe by the sec who knows what he paid so yeah there's there are things you can and cannot say if you are a uh, in a regulated environment um yeah like unless you want to be can you know uh that's why like sec is going after do Kwan, right it wasn't because he didn't try an interesting financial product it's because he made claims about luna And he sold Luna to U.S. venture capital investors as a security without actually registering as a security. That's what got him in trouble. Had he released this in, I don't know, you know Singapore to begin with, or maybe in uh, like Dubai or something where the rules are different, um, and he did not necessarily get go one by one to investors in America. And um, he didn't solicit anybody to come buy his coin, then he would have not gotten in trouble. However, had he not gotten those investors in the first place, who was at Jump Capital and Galaxy Digital and whatever else, if he hadn't, you know, gone to those people in the first place, then probably the system would not have been built in the first place, right? So it's a double-edged sword when it comes to these things. Yeah. Do you um, know if, if he's if he's in prison? Yeah, he's still stuck in Montenegro still. Um, I think like the judge there struck down extradition to the U.S. and I don't know what's going to happen because he has that he had that fake passport basically that he's still in trouble for there. And then when he gets released there, both South Korea and the U.S. want him to try him for securities uh, type stuff. Now remember, Doe was in the U.S. He's a Stanford graduate, and he met a lot of the people um, via like California slash Silicon Valley sort of contacts, I guess. Um, and that's how he like found the, the financing to get that all to work. Um, like just his contacts in the U S got that running. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Very interesting how these these guys end up behind bars. Also Sam Altman. Uh, sorry. Sam, yeah. Sam, Sam. 
Well, Sam Bankman-Fried was more overt fraud. Um, Luna was not exactly fraudulent. Like it was, there were some things that were, I think, misstatements for sure. Um, there were some things that were uh, maybe overrepresented as like maybe you know, and some of the things on YouTube or whatever. But the but the reality was like the guy was not trying. He's not like a gigantic scammer. Like that was not his intention at all. Uh, in fact. If that were the case, you wouldn't have had some of the biggest companies in crypto investing in this. You wouldn't have had tons of builders and developers come and build on it. And you wouldn't have had like all those things. So a lot of people believed in that e that system. But and even when um, he felt like it wasn't going to be possible to, you know, do the UST uh, Luna peg properly, like his goal was to create that LFG foundation thing with Bitcoin and do all do all that shit. And that ended up being too little too late. And it was off-chain activity, so it was always hard, easy to FUD the thing. And, oh, he's ran off with the Bitcoin or whatever. You know, like they can create all sorts of different FUD from this. And um, so, yeah, it be he kind of like backed the Ponzi with the Ponzi. And what happened was he they used like TFL's Luna as part of the way that they bought BTC over the counter. And that... Um, I think was partly one of the reasons why the thing crashed as well. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting things, but it wasn't really over crime. I think part of the thing too is remember, like nobody believed initially that Luna was going to get as big as it was. So what happens is, is when you're a founder and when you're sort of like building shit and breaking things, as I say, you are just sort of just running, you know, just trying to get what you can. I need to get some money. I need to get some venture capital. I need this, I need that. I need builders. And you just keep focusing on building. And then by the time the thing is built, then the problem is you had to take a lot of shortcuts to build it, right? Because, you know, maybe you didn't have a good enough peg backing and maybe you didn't have this, maybe you didn't have that. Maybe you didn't fight, you know, follow every rule. Maybe you didn't, weren't careful about every word you said on YouTube. So what ends up happening is, is like, in retrospect, someone can basically call you a criminal easily at that point because, you know, you have said all sorts of stuff online or whatever that, you know, is, or, or maybe stuff that was like true at the time or partially true at the time, but over time, it's, you know, maybe there's some elements about your ecosystem are no longer true, but the problem is the general public or even a, a prosecutor doesn't have access to all the information or all the rationale of why you did what you did. And even if you present that in front of a jury, like you're not going to be able to exonerate yourself because juries and whatever and judges don't understand all this shit. So the odds are that it's going to, you look guilty on paper. I can understand why he ran. Like, I pretty much messaged him. I'm like, you should run. <laughs> like that, that was my, that was my advice to the guy. I'm like, um, you should just disappear if anything. And he didn't do a good job disappearing. Unfortunately, he kind of showed up with the false passport in Montenegro for, I'm not sure what reason and who knows whatever, but like it, it, uh, who knows, but yeah, he couldn't go to Singapore and he couldn't go to, um, in South Korea, and where are you going to go? You're this gigantic Korean man. <laughs> like you don't have a great many places you can hide with that profile, um, and and hide. So, yeah, it's an interesting, um, interesting kind of outcome. But um, I could understand why he why he ran because like there's just no way he's going to get half decent justice, especially like when everyone's upset. Like that's the least likely time you're going to get. You have basically a lynch mob coming after you. Sam Bankman Fried and FTX was that was a very very different thing. He basically used consumer funds to basically, um, you know, trade with consumer funds, which were not supposed to be used for this purpose. And he just commingled 
Alameda, which is a separate company with FTX, and just did whatever he felt like with consumer funds. And not only that, but he's the one that basically wrecked Luna UST um, on top of that. So he kind of cascade collapsed the entire uh, crypto space. Now, one could argue that like that was going to come no matter what. And, the re- and he was just the thing that pushed it over. Um, and the reason why that's the case is because there was so much leverage in the system that nothing was really worth what it was worth on paper, right? It was just all pumped to crazy numbers. It'd be like if, you know, it's just like a looping argument. You borrow money, you buy more of a coin, you borrow off that coin, you buy more of the coin. And that kind of behavior is how leverage works. And a lot of that was happening at you the know time. And it was, about, you know what's weird about SPF, though? That guy actually in the court until the end, he still was like, nah, I didn't do anything wrong, right? I mean, it's just yeah. It. Why why do people yeah, not? He, is he just this kind of like naive idiot, maybe? Um, some of the stuff he does was so idiotic that like anyone with like people that don't even have like a business degree know it's like wrong to do these things. So you know, it's it's hard to believe like He's a complete idiot, but on the other hand, his some of the stuff he did was so stupid that it was like, wait a minute, like some of the behaviors is he demonstrate complete idiocy. So I, it's it's weird with these guys. Like somehow he was able to get a lot of funding from different places and be kind of like this weird curly-haired autistic golden child or whatever and attracted a lot of capital, you know, how he did this and whatever, I don't know, but like it was it's fascinating. Uh, uh, you know, psychopath for most of the time, they probably don't don't even think that they have done something wrong in the first place, right? So it's not like yeah, he he had like this rapper in his brain that he thought he was like being this effective altruist and he was being good to everybody somehow. Like, if I make money off the backs of my investors' um, money that's in FTX, if I were to use that for something good, like give it to the Democratic Party or whatever, which is in his had a good thing to do then in that sense like okay um it was worth it and therefore um like i was doing the greater good whatever this is and that's a common error among the left typically that jonathan height points this out it's a sociopathic behavior of the left that they don't understand the the viewpoints of the right or the anything back right yeah in the name of like a simple way to describe it is the name of socialistic type of behavior you're willing to murder gigantic populations of people in the name of the greater good that's a very common concept like in theocracies you rarely see um like general genocide like in in theocracies and i don't care which theocracy you're talking about which religion you generally don't see that level of um, chaos um however in socialistic environments you know, like you've seen gigantic mass murder on a scale that's like just unprecedented by anything else, right? Like um, the communist revolution or things of this nature. So, like the justification the Chinese under the banner have killed a lot, a yeah, lot of Pol Pot or whoever else. Yeah, huge, yeah. huge, yeah, chaos that's that's created by this shit. And um, yeah, but there's a sociologic. So, like even pathology, like when you say sociopath. A left-leaning versus right-leaning versus libertarian sociopath, each are slightly different, too. <laughs> and uh, Sam Brinkman-Fried is kind of like in that left-libertarian-leaning sociopath of some kind. 
Right. You can't put your finger on exactly what it is that's sociopathic about him, but you know that it's not normal for someone to behave this way, right? It's just like you're off the bell curve in terms of like reasonable behavior. Um, anyway. You know, an interesting thing um, to point out, like in the way this uh, market price action is going is, I remember in 2020, um, like before the bull market began, um, or or even like, yeah, like late 2020, as the bull market was sort of beginning and um, like after the happening, um, one thing I noticed is like, how like ultra volatile that time period is in the beginning. Like I remember things like chain link and whatever. And it went, it ran from like five bucks to 20 bucks. And then it ran to like, then it dumped to like seven and then it ran, you know, goes back up to 13, 14 and people are like, Oh no, it's going to dump again. Just wait. And I'm like, I don't know. It looks like a pretty good retracement. And then it would dump to five again or whatever. <laughs> like, and, um, and the volatility is really, really extraordinary before a bull market begins. Um, so when you're seeing these altcoin numbers just going all over the place i think a very very important thing is not to get shaken out of your positions like just fucking ignore them if you don't know like how to ignore them delete whatever fucking apps you have just don't look if you've got your bags one of the best things you can do generally is leave them alone and not stress about how much your money is going up and down because if you do you're going to be like oh my god my money's going to zero and you're going to sell low you know and this is a mistake people make and like I remember there were some chart patterns. I remember Chainlink in particular, like, um, in fact, let me pull it up because it was such an interesting uh, pattern. I was like, I was almost for sure, like, it was going to run, right? Like, so um, let me find it just kind of to recap what it did. So, yeah, it ran from like w within a period of months, two months or so, DeFi summer, it was kind of what everyone called it. Um, it ran from like $3.74 to a pump, like a double pump, and it went all the way up to like 20 bucks. It was kind of the famous like, chain link run. Um, from there, it dumped down to like $7.30, and then it ran back up to about 16. You're like, ooh, this is looking pretty strong, looking pretty strong, let's get some entries here. And then right after that, it dumps to like 11. <laughs> and then you're like, what the hell? Um, and then, um, and it's it was putting in higher, um, sort of higher lows for almost like, I don't know, five months or something and it went from that like dip at seven dollars and it ran up to about 16. it looked like it was getting ready to run it was like oh this is looking really good but then of course like you had a like some dump on in september and it went from 16 down to 11 again i remember my dad going what the hell is this thing doing like why is it moving up and down so much i'm like look like this is just what these things do and i'm like you're gonna buy the dip or not <laughs> that's the only thing you have to know and then, like, the, I think it was, like, the December, like, 24th, 2020. This is, remember, past, after COVID crash and all that shit. You had another dump of Chainlink all the way down to 8 bucks, right? And that was a higher low after the $7 dump in September. And then, finally, it went all the way back up to 18 And remember, this is, like, almost six months later after the run to $20. It gets up to... 18 i'm like oh this thing's gonna run for sure now like you know like come on it's already made it back to 18 dollars. it's double dumped to like seven eight dollars and then instead of running it dumps again to twelve dollars and sixty cents and the reason this thing this happens is is that every time you have these capitulation dumps somebody out there is going to be taking a lot of leverage on 
And those leveraged positions are both future sellers and they're people that get liquidated on the way up. So this is why like breakout trading doesn't work that great. And then of course, after that final flush to $12 again, it ran to like 27 next, then to 17, then to 25, and then off to um, ultimately to like 38. And then it dumped from 38 down to like 21 and then eventually got, got its way up to 54. So that took like pretty much all the way to the 2021 bull market. And Chainlink at the very bottom was like during the COVID crash time period was like $1.37. So that was like a really good opportunity if you got it there. Of course, it was a good opportunity for all crypto at that moment. It's like the biggest capitulation um, moment probably in the history of crypto or whatever um, in terms of market cap dump. <laughs> and so anyone that bought it that period did well with whatever coin they held. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting stuff like um, it wasn't obvious to me that Chainlink was going to run during the 2021 bull market because it already ran the summer before. And I was like, I don't know what it's going to do, but it ran with everything else. Um, so yeah, like even now, like look at Chainlink, like it tried to break out of this like $15.80 like level. Jesus, like one, two, three, four times now. And like the fourth time seemed like you saw everyone tweeting about Chainlink yesterday. It was like, oh, it looks like it's going to be a charm. charm. This thing's going to go like it's going to blow its top. But what's happening here is pre pre bull market, it's flushing out all the new retail people that um, just showed up just to kind of were like, not new retail people, but people that haven't been here enough cycles. Like maybe you've been here one cycle, but and now you thought you were going to get rich, so you put a ton of money in, and then what? Look, look, you got you took a haircut on your like you're down seventy five percent. You just got started. You're like, oh no, everything's going up except my bag, and then you 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 panic and then you rotate to something else. And that's exactly when these things start to run. So just be aware that if you just like, like, I don't know, Chainlink's chart is a really good, like, while we're talking about it, it's like a good one to just look at over the years and go, God damn, look at this volatility. Like, you know, I mean, just, just like this last month, right? Like you went from $18 at the top down to $12. That's a lot of volatility, right? But it's also a good flush. It means that like, okay. Um, but could that happen again one more time just to kind of get rid of some of this leverage? Maybe, maybe. Um, but at some point it starts to run and you don't know when. And the thing is like, so what, what did I do? Like I, I went on and bought a little bit more right now. It's like a 1448 right now. It's like, that's cool. I just added a little bit to my bag just to kind of push a button. But I tend to do that. Like every dump, every giga dump, I add some. And the reason I do that is because that way I have something I'm doing with my hands so that I don't like worry about it. But then I can actually take advantage of those dips too. If you're doing nothing on those dips and you believe there's a bull market, well, you don't have to do anything. Like if your position, I originally bought chain like seven bucks, like I don't have to add anymore. But um, I add a little bit here and there as a, um, you know, just when I see like deep retracements or whatever. You have to take advantage of these leveraged people and the volatility they create. But like 200-day moving average for Chainlink is 10 bucks. Could it dive to 10 bucks and run back up? Sure. Am I going to panic at 10 bucks if the bull market's over? Oh, hell no. I've been through this way too many times to know how this works. Um, like if it dumps, and by the way, in crypto, anything can dump a lot more than you think. Just look at Chainlink and look, look how, as an example of like a blue chip or whatever, and look how much volatility it has month to month. Like even during the bear market, I mean, it would go from like 540 up to eight eight dollars and thirty cents, then down to four dollars and eighty cents, then up to 
$8.50. And this would happen over months, right? So you had to be really, really patient. And all I did with that was I just take every dip in the bear market and I'd buy a little bit more. You just said everything can dump, right? You remember mm-hmm. a while back when USDC dumped? <laughs> oh, yeah, USDC. Yeah, I remember that one. That was fun. I actually bought the dump on USDC. Yeah, I, bought I, the, I, I bought the D-pegged USDC. <laughs> kind of free money. It's funny. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah, the key thing here is like, just basically not get shaken out. The volatility is extraordinary. And if you put a lot of money in, like if you're, if you're in like a hundred K plus or whatever, whatever it is, that's high for you in your, your life. And you see that amount that maybe you worked for a year for, you know, you see your year's worth of income, you know, post tax in tax income, that shit drops by 50% and your eyes are bleeding at that point, pretty much. Right. Like, like. Who, who who in their right mind is not going to be unhappy with their investment having gone down unless you're really used to this stuff, right? Like you've been doing this for years and and especially if you have all your financial needs taken care of, like you, you're already wealthy, you already have a job, you have income, whatever, then you're going to be like, all right, whatever, right? You can handle the ups and downs. But it's like, uh-oh, I was planning to pay my mortgage with that next month, but I decided to gamble it on Chainlink or whatever bullshit coin. And um, and now you can't afford to pay because you thought it was going to go up. You were so convinced. Remember, that's leverage. If you owe someone money already, that money is accounted for, like your utility bill or whatever. And you decided to basically borrow against the electric company. <laughs> like So that's leverage at that point. And um, you don't have to go on an exchange and take on 2x leverage to take leverage. Any money that is not yours or that you owe to someone already, but now you're using instead for this. You like If you're buying crypto instead of paying off your house, you're taking leverage because that's money that you could have just simply paid off your house with. That's a way to think of this. Um, so that's just, yeah, it's all leverage. You're taking one form of leverage in, leverage in terms of your house and that's your collateral and now you're buying crypto with it. That's what you just did. If you haven't paid off your house and you're buying crypto, that's what you just did. <laughs> you just took leverage to buy crypto. That's simple. And as long as you're aware that's what you're doing, okay, fine. But um, don't pretend like you're not borrowing. You kind of are, right? Anyway, um, just so like general sort of financial thoughts. But I think it's important to cover these things during dips. Why? Because that's when people panic and decide to sell low and all this sort of bullshit. and like Taoism, there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose, sticking with my armory, yam beta and Bruce, repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth, like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really? Really?
Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, the shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we'd call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Coin preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you it would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost, might cost us a lot more than, than what can be gained game. by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.